In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. gentlemen it looks like we made it it's friday we're here got a great show for you today i hope the sun is shining the birds are singing the wind is at your back i got the one and only randall healing c dot world hansen phd on the show today gonna get into some interesting topics that i think everybody will enjoy you may have seen randall if you're in the linkedin community i know you're probably a friend of his You've probably had some long, in-depth conversations with him. But for those who may not know, he's a healing advocate and educator, a thought leader with a goal to help the world heal. Author of the tremendous new book, Triumph Over Trauma, which I highly suggest everybody take a look at. And one of the many things I really love about Randall is that you can often find him helping others find their healing modalities, whether it's in nature, somatics, psychedelics, spirituality, nutrition, and breath work. I'm so excited you're here today, my friend, and I can't wait to get into it today. What's up, Jeff? I see you over there, my friend. Thanks for hanging out. How's it Yay. going, Randall? Man, Jeff, you're doing double duty today. Yeah, uh, great show. I, I, I'm loving it. Uh, George, so great to be here again. Um, I'm out in my outdoor uh, studio because uh, my wife is uh, having an all-day uh, Zoom meeting, so thank mm. God I'm not involved in that one. But uh, when we were in the same office, can't be in the same place. So I'm um, enjoying nature and hopefully the viewers can uh, virtually enjoy a little of the background as well. Yeah, I think it's such a beautiful ambiance and uh, what a great office you have there, my friend. You got the, we, we were just talking about nature and therapy. It's, it seems like you're surrounded by it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Every day gratitude for that because it, it is, I mean, you take a break from writing or podcasting or whatever and you look out and and you just see something different every day whether it's the yeah. clouds uh last night i was here uh just having my last uh, meditation during golden hour and i hear this kind of scratching it kind of breaks my attention i know bad meditator bad meditator <laughs> but i i i love animals so i peeked over the edge and there were two bunnies chasing each other down there so 
yeah, healing comes in, in many ways. And for me, nature has always been the, probably the primary healing tool for me. Yeah, it's for me, I have to agree. I think that on some level, when you find yourself in nature, whether you're just taking a walk or maybe you're sitting out on your patio, it's it's so healing because you get the idea that you know you're part of nature and it really helps solve the problems or at least give you a different aspect of how to solve your problems in your life. If you're just watching the bunnies run and you're like, oh man, this kind of reminds me of this problem that's been chasing me. You know, and you start you start thinking about things like that. But just to yeah. be surrounded by nature is a great way to get out of your own head. Yeah. Yeah. I found uh, I started walking many years ago uh, as part of my wellness routine. And I found I had to take my phone with me to start recording ideas, because when you're walking, you're not you know, you're 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 blocking out all the stress of whatever day to day and the flow, the thoughts just start flowing. And uh, I find walking and, you know, it was in nature, too. But I just find that is just a, a great combo for for relaxing, for new ideas, for creativity, for peace. Yeah, well, it's I, I think it's incredibly relevant because, you know, when you when you're on a walk or when you're outside, you're surrounded by the language of nature. Unlike the language we see today that's wrapped around our entire communities, our institutions, and the, our own reality. Like we, we weave our web of reality with the language we use. And I heard you talking a little bit about the language of psychedelics. Maybe you can unpack that a little bit. Well, you know, I've I been thinking about it for a while. And then you had uh, Rick Barnett, Dr. Rick Barnett on. He was talking about the ineffable, ineffable, yeah. Yeah, the ineffability of being able to talk about psych the psychedelic experience. And then that just got me thinking about, uh, and then even I think uh, Tom mentioned in the in his podcast with Jeff something about language. I can't remember what that context was, but it just hit me like, yeah, we're all, and it's kind of funny we're talking about these things, and uh, and and sort of talking around them because we don't have a good language to to really discuss the psychedelic experience. So that, that's definitely something. And I know, George, you with your crazy brain have some ideas <laughs> on that as well. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, and, and maybe picking up on a few other things too, as we go along. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating to me. You know, I, I, I wrote down a, a quote that was something along the lines of, uh, language can be both a prison and a key to unlock new worlds as it constructs the boundaries of our understanding, opens doors to new possibilities. And when I started thinking about that, and when I was talking yesterday to Ben, the the uh, producer of Psych 2023, uh, yeah. yep. you know, we got a, we got a little bit into, the, into what we're talking about today. And that's this idea that, you know, maybe the world of that's kind of constraining psychedelics, this constraining, limiting use of language that sees it only as fragility or that sees it maybe on the aspect of, um, you know, it's fun, it's cool. And it's a, it's a magic pill. Like, I think that in some way this echoes the world of, of the world we live in, you know, and it's, it's, it might not be a bug. It might be a feature. Like it might be a way to keep psychedelics in its own little cage until you can figure out how to centralize it, how you can create supply chains and you can keep it pinned away. Maybe that's what's going on. What's your take on that? You know, I, I, I look at um, the world of psychedelics and I think it's, it's, it's definitely a challenge we have in, 
separating this industry from say the pharmaceutical industry where again if you saw my post a couple of days ago I'm, I'm kind of on this kick again where uh i i i'm i'm a a cheap a cheap person so or a frugal person as bill baker likes sure. to say so i'm a frugal person so i i buy the streaming service with ads because i don't want to pay the full price and half the ads are pharmaceutical ads at least half of pharmaceutical ads and I swear they all have, must have the same writer director because it's always the same thing. It's, it's always, uh, you know, here's the amazing things I can do in my life. I have a happy family. I can play volleyball. I, mm -hmm. I've never shot a, an archery, but I just got a perfect, you know, in the target and all these great things. And I'm singing and I'm dancing and I'm biking. And then the second half of the commercial is, you know, beware of stroke, cancer, death, blah, 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 you know, and all these side effects. Right. And, but the gist you walk away with magic pill and the problem we have, and I think someone mentioned this in the, um, uh, this first half of the double header today. Um, <laughs> someone mentioned, you know, psychedelics aren't a magic pill, but that, again, that's that language issue because psychedelics, can be amazing they can be an amazing heal, healing tool we both know that and many others do but it it's work and i think we have it, we have to develop a, a, a another not a different language but a different way of thinking philosophy something that still touts these benefits without making it like these pharmaceutical commercials that say Oh, it's all going to be happy days after you take your first psychedelic experience, because as we know, it's not always happy days. And it sometimes takes multiple healing journeys to get to a point of healing. And it always takes the work. You have to do the integration work. It's not just a pill and I'm done and life is, is beautiful again. So, yeah, I don't know how we get. I don't know if that's if that's if that's language or if that's philosophy or if that's framing or something. I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, it's a it's great, and I love the direction. So, I think that the language that we're using it it's like fractal of society. It's like think about legacy code, okay? I, I'm I'm gonna jump. Mm. I'll take it back to psychedelics, but think about yeah. the way a programmer has to deal with legacy code. Um, mm. a programmer today goes back in and like I don't even know what happened. I don't I don't speak Ruby on the Rails, or I don't speak. <laughs> You know, this old Java, like, I don't even know what that means. Yeah. So we're constantly putting a patch with this new code on top of this old code. But you fast forward like 40 or 30 or 20 years, no one even knows what the heck happened. And they don't even know why the person did that because they don't understand that language. Yep. I think that there's a lot of that that happens in the world of medicine, the world of law in our society. If you look at the way we pass bills, it's like bills built on bills built on bills and it's framework built on framework built on framework. But you can't undo this framework up here because there's a guy way down here who has a patent that can't that won't allow you to do it. So yeah. that, that's why you have to build this patch. And I think that, that the entire medical system, whether the mm. clinical trials, all of that's built on this faulty infrastructure. Yeah. And so that's why there's the language around it. That, that's, why, that's why when you watch a, a medical commercial mm. or a, a pharmaceutical commercial, they just go strictly either for fear or love, or they go straight for an emotional trigger. It's because yeah. like, you know, they're not really trying to sell you a medicine's going to heal you. 
They're trying to sell you something that's going to make you feel good. And in that language, that's what it actually does because they don't need – it seems to me that the science in clinical trials – and this could take us right back to – this takes us back to, to psychedelics is in, in the medical model today – you know, they don't really need to prove a whole lot. They they just need to prove that it seems like it has a good effect. It, they just need to, it just needs to seem like that. You know, they're they're not measuring everything. And we see that in clinical trials with psychedelics. You know, what they, they don't measure what they can't, they don't measure the subjective. They want to put all that to the side. And let me let me give people an example of what's subjective. If if you have PTSD and you take psychedelics. And all, a, a month later, your family is crying tears of joy because they know you're better. They don't measure that in clinical trials. Yeah. That's not in there. Yeah. If, if the tears of your mother crying because her son has came back to life is not a fair and attributable thing to, to being healthy, I don't know what is. Yeah. But science is like, we're not going to measure that. Why yeah. not? Why <laughs> don't you measure that? Yeah. You know, we don't have the tools. We, like, it's like in science and math. We don't have the tools to measure non-Euclidean space. So we just pretend it's not a thing. And it's the same thing in clinical trials. Medicine refuses to measure that which they can't understand. And I think that the psychedelics bring spirituality back in there. And spirituality is a component we should measure. I know that's kind of a long-winded way of saying that, but it's all about language, right? Yeah. I love it. I want to come back to that yeah, last statement it, you made. But first, I want to come back because I, I love what you said, because this is something I wish everyone could hear so let's put george monty on the mountain and have <laughs> these yeah every one of these prescription ads we see it's not about healing it's about symptom management and yes that's a good thing i mean if you if you right. have migraines heck yes i want you to have sim symptom management so you don't have to be in a in a dark room for three days or something like that but but for depression or PTS or anxiety or OCD, who wants to live a life where I'm simply managing the symptoms? Right. Right. I want to. I want to heal. You know. I want. I want to have a life like you talked about. I want to be that veteran. That yeah. The family says, "Oh my God, he's back or she's back," um, and and so I think we have to somehow break both that. Um, ingrained sense. Um, I also saw a reaction to what my post about that, where this woman said, Oh yeah, I hate all those ads and I would never do any of those. <laughs> she said, unless my doctor told me to take one. Mm -hmm. I was like, no, no, you're missing the point. Yes, that's good. But uh, that brings in the other half of the equation, which is you know, many of the many of our Western doctors are just symptom managers. They're not the true healers, and that again, that's what most of these prescription drugs are: are symptom management, not healing. Yeah. And so, yep. but psychedelics are healing if you do, or back that up. Psychedelics help you heal if you do the work involved with it, because it's involved in in really doing that inner work that you i think that was the last part you were talking about so yeah you, you know it, it it allows you to do inside yourself and actually you know that there's a line we all talk about you know we are all our own healers we have the healing within us and that's true we do but if we have trauma you know we, and especially childhood trauma you know we spend all our life blocking it yeah. not looking within 
you know, we talk about that, you know, we fracture ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so that's another piece of that language. How do we, how do we convey that trauma fractures us? And as much as we might try to pretend to be whole and healthy, um, we're not because we are, we are wearing masks or we're pushing stuff down. And so psychedelics, but also meditation, breath work allows us to do that that inner work in, in a safe environment rather than that scared child or that scared adult that had that, that had that trauma. Yeah. I, I see a pattern here and, and, you know, when I, when you talk about us being fragmented or broken down on some level, I almost think that that's what culture and our society does. And that's how it works. It seems to me and this, you know, forgive me if this sounds a little bit too woo-woo, but, you know, we live in somewhat of an authoritarian system and we always have, whether, you know, whether it was the monarchy back in the day and the best way to control people is to keep them in fear, you know, and and maybe we should get into this idea of fear in language, but let me just stay on this premise of, of where we're at. What if, what if it's not a bug? What if it's a feature? Like, think about the media that comes out. It's like, you're going to go to war. You're all going to die. No one's going to work. You guys all suck. Black people hate white people. Be afraid of gay people. Like, just constant bombardment of fear that is out there to scare you. It's there to fragment you. It's there yeah. to make sure that when you go to work, you don't ask for more money. It's there when you get up and you you wake up and you're like, oh, man, I got to leave my family for 14 hours because I got to put food on the table. Oh, I shouldn't I shouldn't say what's on my mind because I don't want to get in trouble. Yep. Think about the way we go to school. Kids go to school and they sit in front of a classroom where they have an authoritarian figure and it's based on Pavlovian whistles and bells. And we're, we're taught at a young age to be fearful. And so much of the people coming into psychedelics that are breaking through PTSD that have generational trauma are confronting that fear. Yeah. And I think that that's the, that's something that's happening with our language. Like we're beginning to change our language from retreats to confrontation. And I, I think it's a beautiful thing. And I think it speaks volumes of where we add in, are in our life with substances. And maybe we can move into this idea of we are changing from marijuana to medical cannabis. Yeah. We are changing from, Hey, instead of this weed being called white widow weed, mm-hmm. now I'm going to turn the label and I'm going to see the terps on there. I'm going to see yep. the THC content on there. Yep. We are growing as people and it's being reflected in our language. I think that's a very positive thing that's moving forward. What's your take on that, that whole aspect? I, I agree. I mean, I, 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 as an educator advocate, I, I believe in many of the things you say, I want to just go back for one second. Um, yeah. Because I love your comment about about fear based and, yes. and and so much of it is, and we also, you know, uh, for lack of a better word, I, I would say oftentimes I feel like our government is paternalistic. Sure, you know, I don't need another dad telling me what to do, but that's, I mean, that's what it is. I mean, uh, you know, you you can only do this, you can do that, you can do that, and I think that's what scared the government in the, in the late sixties and seventies, yeah. early seventies is like, yeah. Whoa, we're losing control. We better rein in these great medicines because people are all of a sudden realizing, yeah. Hey, there's a greater life out here. That's yeah. not involved with going to war or the yeah. government or, yep. or any, any of that. Yeah. Um, and I think that, I, you know, maybe that should be part of the message, George, because 
you know, I, I, I've been working on healing. I've talked about, you know, triumph over trauma. And I, I think maybe some of those words, trauma, even healing, which I think is a positive word, I think maybe that scares people because of that, because we, because of this culture of fear. Yeah. yeah. So maybe we need to say something like, uh, not lose all your fear, but I mean, it has to be something like that. We need to find yeah. a, a linchpin that people understand in this cultural setting, as you're talking about in this language that we have, uh, because healing, they still think go to the doctor yeah. and, uh, trauma is something we don't talk about or something that didn't happen to me because, um, you know, I've lived this great life and, and uh, I believe with Dr. Peter Levine and Dr. Gabor Matei that we all have experienced trauma, whether we know it or not. Uh, a lot of it's childhood trauma, some of it's intergenerational, some of it's as adults. And, um, and it, it affects us and that trauma actually helps fuel the fear within mm -hmm. us that those yeah. work in tandem because if we're traumatized we already are fearful of it you know something happening like that again add to that the fear of our culture and you really yeah i mean wow we need to figure out a way to change that that language for sure george um well i think your i think your book has has your book is awesome. And I think the people who haven't read Triumph Over Trauma should definitely check it out. But as I was thinking about it today in the conversation we're having now, you know, one of the one of the side effects of overcoming trauma is wanting to make is wanting to understand why it happened. Yeah. And and people who face their traumas begin to have the confrontation with fear. And so, you know, on some level the side effect of trauma is standing up to the people or situations that caused it. And this gets us right back to what you said about what happened, you know, in the, in the last round of this sort of psychedelic waves that are happening. Yep. And you know what, if, if we're being honest with ourselves in some ways, you know, maybe what we just saw with psychedelic 2023, maybe we're like in the late fifties and all of a sudden, like just you and I having this conversation about, wait a minute, yeah. What are we doing out here? We should be moving back out <laughs> to the fields, man. We should be finding ways to live our best life. Yes. Maybe what we're seeing right now is a slow creep into the 60s right here where just our language alone talking about facing fears could be something that begins to scare the people in in the positions of authority that you know and if you look at the facts, hey, workplace participation rate is at its lowest. At some point in time the people that run that are going to be like, how do we get these people back to work? Why are yep. they not working? Why, why are they not working for the amount of money that we give them? Like, what's the problem here? You know, and pretty soon it's going to be dirty hippies or these dirty psychedelic people, you know, in some ways, you know, if you just squint your eyes a little bit, you can begin to see that whole little rotation going again. I don't know, man. Is that too crazy? It's, it's cool. <laughs> I mean, I hope so because I, I love live your best life. And, and yeah. if, if, if that wasn't used by like 10 pharmaceuticals, I would love to steal that. But but see, that's the problem with with our vocabulary again. Right. right. I mean, this is what psychedelics do. Uh, I almost every person that I've talked to that is healed, not just through psychedelics, but right. even healing in other ways, have almost all changed their career path, their job, looked at their career and job in a totally different perspective. Because yeah, now that now that job that I, yeah I, I was working 10 hours in a two hour commute each way. And I was paying for the bills and all yeah. that. 
all of a sudden I realize now, man, that's a shit job. Why am I working it? You know, <laughs> and 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 I want to help people. I mean, that's the other cool thing I I, I love about the, the the psychedelics is that, or healing, I should. And, but psychedelics is one of the main ways is that when we heal, we then turn around and say, how can I help others? Yeah. And I, and I, uh, again, not to, not to give you a big pat in the back or make you embarrassed, but again, I just love with you, what you're, this, you're an example of this, <laughs> you, you know, you, uh, you know, you had a, a fine job and all that, but uh, typical of all of us, probably not the great bosses that we would <laughs> love to have. Um, but then as you heal you, uh, and as you also expand with this podcast, you say, well, that job's that job's not serving me anymore. Yeah. And how can I get my voice and the voice of this beautiful spectrum of guests that you have? How can I get that out to the world and help other people? You know, feel that feel that love, feel that healing. And so I think that's fantastic. Um, back to line retreats for a second because I also want to pick your brain and maybe even whoever's uh, still on uh, yeah. their brains about skeptics because. Yeah. Um, back to language. So I have a, a brother-in-law and uh, we talk about, you know, having these awkward conversations about psychedelics with your family and friends. So I was visiting him last year and uh, he didn't want to talk about psychedelics at all. And um, so I thought, well, maybe I'll break it, break it more gently by talking about cannabis because cannabis is also certainly a master plant and has many healing benefits. Sure. Um, and throughout the whole conversation, we actually did have a somewhat conversation about this, but it was all about marijuana, <laughs> the marijuana, the marijuana. And I'd say, oh, you mean the cannabis, cannabis. And he's like, marijuana. And I'm like, uh, well, if you're trying to meet me halfway here, you know, marijuana, some say it's a racist term. If it's, even if it's not a racist term, it is certainly part of the war on drugs. That was, you know, mm. the evil marijuana. Yeah. So again, that's just change. So that's again, changing the language a little bit. Cannabis is actually the name of the plant. So why don't we just call it by the, I and mean, he's this big, you know, science thinker type person so i'm like well this is the scientific name so you should especially you should be calling it that yeah. so so i think language does play a role uh in how we do this and i know medical marijuana sounds nice and all that but you know medical cannabis as you said is just rolls off the tongue just as well uh i also love that one of my cannabis people posted a meme that said all cannabis use is is medicinal and i'm sure some of the you know maybe uh recreational users love that 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 meme but but it's true in the sense that just like, like psychedelics i you know yes i am a strong proponent of the intentional use for healing but so many people i've talked to you know have done did psychedelics recreationally as a kid or not as a teenager or young adult and or maybe still doing it today and they're still getting the benefits that's the cool thing about these plants that again i'm not saying you know everyone should be doing recreational uh psychedelics or cannabis but these plants are so healing that 
they'll work even if you're not setting an intention to do that work. They're not going to maybe do the healing part, but they'll do some of the other cool stuff in your brain. And for like, for me, cannabis is a pain reliever. Mm-hmm. So if I'm taking it recreationally one day, all of a sudden, oh yeah, there's my, my knee feels great now. Now I can go an extra five miles on this hike. So, you know, I think that's part of the language too, because, um, you know, for so long, these have been called drugs. And yes, they are drugs. But uh, that's why, you know, we're trying to use medicines, you know, again, language, but medicines maybe aren't the right word, because now then it starts getting into the pharmaceuticals. And, and, you know, we just talked about how we hate all those ads. So and I, you know, some people call them substances. But yeah, there's another word, what could we call them that that fits what we feel they are, because in my mind, they they are medicine, but then medicine has, you know, kind of a mixed bag of connotations. So what do you think? I think we could go with like exogenous neurotransmitters. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that rolls off the tongue quite well. <laughs> Why not? Like if you, if you look at the way they interact inside the brain, they're doing the same thing a neurotransmitter does. Yeah. And if, yeah. And if we can, if people would permit me this little, a lot of people believe in the Big Bang, but why not? If, if we're going to believe in some sort of creation myth, may, why don't we believe that maybe we don't come into this world, maybe we come out of it? And if we're part of this planet, why wouldn't we have exogenous neurotransmitters that help us see the world in a way that's different? Why wouldn't we have substances or medicine or plants that help us understand what nature is trying to tell us? And I think that's what's happening. Like if anybody who, who has used cannabis or used mushrooms thoroughly begins to feel the connection with nature, the way in which they once felt a connection to their mom in the womb, like you're connected to it. And this particular bridge is something that shows you that. It allows you to walk down this bridge and become this oneness that we often talk about, this non-duality that's there. And I I, I think that medicine is a limiting description of psychedelics. Like it's so one-dimensional. And that takes us back to, hey, maybe... Maybe it's not a bug, it's a feature. If we classify it as medicine, now all of a sudden we can use the framework of centralization. We can use this, the framework of supply chains. You know, once we put it into that box, we yeah. can limit it and market it and sell it. And that brings me to this idea of like, why do we even need, like, I don't understand why we need to figure out what's going on in the brain with it. It works. And, it, you know, if you start drilling down on some of these incredible people who have spent and I love them all. I'm so stoked there's people out there that are doing the work to find out yeah. what happens with the 2A receptor. But what do we know? We don't know that much. After millions of dollars and after thousands yeah. of hours, we don't know that much. But we do know it works. Yeah. We know that much. So, you know, why are we using our language and why are we using our tools to, to not move forward? It's, it's like we, we have this awesome tool in our hand, but rather than use it, we're trying to figure out the best way it fits in our hand. Hey, let's start using the tool. <laughs> right? That's actually very brilliant. I love that. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I agree with you. The, 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 all the scientists that are, are doing the, the research on the brain and, uh, you know, I love the neuroplasticity part of it. But and, 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 you know, my focus is more on the healing part. But um, and I kind of sometimes skip over the, the the spiritual part and the and the transformational part of it because to me it's all part of the healing you can't in my mind you can't have that spiritual connection to that oneness to the divine to 
the source to whatever, and, and unless you are healed, but you're right. It's not, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm not hung up on the how I love, I love seeing it. I love right. seeing those, those brain scans. Um, but I'm more focused on the outcome. Like, Whoa, you're a different person today than you were last week, last month because of the healing. And, and, and so, yeah. Wow. So how, how, but how do we, so, okay. I agree with all that, but you know, my brain is, is still, how do we package that in a way that people understand, um, separate from the medical model, separate from anything else they've heard. And then also going against all the lies they've heard, you know, for mm -hmm. on the war on drugs, how uh how do we do that and and uh dr matei i was listening to a podcast she talked about recovery we have to recover everyone needs a recovery journey and yeah. to me that sounds too much like um an addiction uh aspect you know whenever i hear i think of a recovery i think of someone recovering from an addiction so i don't know if that's the right word i don't think it is but I, i'd love to find it and and one more thing i before i forget george i love what you said about the nature because I watched this documentary and I'm looking out outside of my property right now. And there are all these native weeds as we call them today, <laughs> all these native plants. I see yarrow, uh, St. John's wort, some other ones that all have healing medicinal powers yeah. that we've all lost. Yeah. I mean, we could, we could heal ourselves just by walking through nature and pulling certain plants if we know this one needs to be smoked or this one needs to be made into a tea or this one does whatever and so nature does provide for us and that's what these plants uh you know do for us they they heal us but how do we get that across when we're so disconnected from nature today well i think the first part is being aware and i'm glad you said that well, isn't it interesting that you can look out right now to the side of your house and see all these plants that heal us. But instead of us going out there and using those plants, we try to pick those plants, put them in a lab, decipher what's in them, and then make a synthetic version of them and then test it on people to see if it's the same thing and if they work. Like, what are we doing? Just use the I plant. Know. It's right there. I know. So, but there's a lot of great comments in here. And, and let's, we're going to get back to language and we're definitely yeah. going to get back to the idea of skepticism. But let's go through these here because I'm sure, so yeah, stoked yeah, yeah, yeah. to have these people here. Yeah, so I love got, seeing all these. Yeah, thank you to everybody. Let's let's see what we got here. We obviously we got Jeff starting everything off. We he started us uh, off with a double header, him and Tom. Thank you guys. Great show this morning. Yeah, it was great. We got the incredible Celicia Abbas, who's uh mm, if you, you don't know what she's up to, Google her right now. Or just go on LinkedIn and see what she's going. She's weaved this web of being an esthetician in psychedelics, which I think is another way that fits into what we're doing, Ran. I think that, yeah. you know, beginning to see people branch out into the world of estheticians and cosmetics. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a treatment that goes well with psychedelics, like so much of it. it it's a pretty incredible tributary, right? Yeah. We got Aliana. I think I'm saying her name right here. The marketing oh, yeah. guru right here. Yep. Incredible woman. Mm -hmm. Go back to Jeff. Here we, here we got one from um, from Emma Cicinero. Emma, thank you so much for an Yay. EMDR therapy. That's Man, what a do great. You, what do you know about EMDR? I don't know much about it. I, I know that uh, it's an, it 
some people use that for PTS, uh, uh, post-traumatic stress. It's uh, just another way uh, of, of, again, trying to get into that conscious state and, and, and kind of disarm the default mode network mm -hmm. so that you can then um, see, again, it, it, it's, a, it's similar to a psychedelic experience okay. in the sense of um, you're, you're allowed to go kind of remove all the stimuli and just uh, get to that trauma. And it's almost like, not like watching a film strip, but you just see the experience and you move through it. So I think, it, again, for those that are um, still afraid of psychedelics for whatever reasons, and, and you know, some people will just be afraid in general, uh, that EMDR is definitely a, a, a good method for, for dealing with trauma as well. Yeah, good way to get in and, and get you know, maybe kind of get into the water a little bit and see yeah. how you feel about it. Yeah. I think so. Lori, uh, <laughs> Lori, I, if you could see my desk, like I have all these papers around me and like, I, they're all little like notes. So I'll write like four or five keywords. And I try like at first I'll memorize the quote and then I'll just put up a note and then I'll paraphrase from that. So I probably didn't quote it exactly right, but I have found that if you read something and then just make like four keywords, your brain will fill in the gaps there. And it's, sometimes it's pretty humorous, but I highly recommend it. Thank you for right. commenting right there. Two, two quick comments on that. First, yeah, Lord, thank you. One is sometimes when I watch George on the podcast, he does this. And yeah. I swear he has notes on his ceiling too. I think he really does. <laughs> but the oh other interesting thing, just, just a, a, a geeky educational comment. There's a whole body of literature called um, writing to learn. And there's a real truth to that. If you read something and you just write a couple notes and then you maybe write it again and maybe yeah. one more time, that's a great memory technique. Your brain does, it's just, it does get stuck in your, in your brain. So you know, a lot of us don't write anymore because it's all on, you know, devices, yeah. but that old fashioned way still works. Good. Yeah. Anyway, the more, thanks, Lord. Yeah, that's awesome. It, it, the more modalities you use, like if you, if you think it, if you write it and you say it out loud, yep. you know, or maybe you could even sing it. Like if you just did those four things, you'd probably remember it way better. Right. <laughs> I'm just picturing myself seeing some of these things. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Oh, Salisha's got a great one here. I love this conversation and sorry oh. to have to hop off. I love your comments on language. Yes, psychedelics have a huge potential to help a lot of people, but they are not a panacea yep. and much be appreciated intentfully and carefully. Can't wait to catch up with the rest later. Thanks, George and Randall. Thank you, Salisha. It's it's always a pleasure to, to have you on and, and, and hear yeah. your thoughts. And we're stoked on what you're doing as well. Can I just uh, say of something? Anytime, to... please. Yeah, yeah. So um, I have a friend close to me that is going through some some bad stuff and um but she's playing the victim she mm. is she's not ready right for that healing so she's been she's definitely been traumatized especially even more recently lost her house lost her car lost custody of her child Man. she's probably has alcohol disorder alcohol use disorder and and now is moving on to some other uh worse drugs and i want to help her but i can't because she's she's blaming she's blaming everybody else she's blaming society she thinks all she needs is a hand up to get back on her feet not even mentioning 
all the bad stuff going on. And so I just want to mention that in terms of this also, because if we talk about, yes, psychedelics, you have to be intentional. Yeah. But you can't get to that point until you admit your reality, you know, that my, I don't like my reality anymore. And it could be something as small as I don't like my job anymore. That, yeah. you know, that that's a piece of that puzzle that we're, you know, from day one, you know, the first, one of the first questions people ask us when we were kids is what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. And so that, that, you know, so that's ingrained in our heads, work, you know, yeah. work, 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 work. And so I think that's one, one little piece of the healing journey that maybe you're not even on that journey yet, but all of a sudden you realize, wow, I don't like this job. It's not fulfilling me. Maybe that's part of it. Or it's a realization that, yeah, I, I just lost my, my apartment and my car and there's something seriously wrong here. And I, I need to look at this. I need to figure out yeah. what's going on. Um, so, so yes, every healing journey has to start with this kind of a realization of that you have a problem, but then I agree with Salisha a hundred percent that yes, that, that as we talked about earlier today, you know, it's not a magic pill. Um, it, it can work amazing, amazing things that we've, both experience, but uh, you have to do it intentionally and you have to do the work afterwards. It's not just take it and have the fun experience. So anyway, blah, blah, blah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I feel it. I, I think, look, I, if I'm honest with myself, I, I've been down that road. I, I, I found myself being angry and blaming people and afraid. And, you know, when you do that, in some ways, I think the world takes things away from you because it wants you to understand that you have to face it. And everything you're gonna lose everything. Like fear will take everything from you until you yeah. stand in front of it. But the beauty of it is all you have to do is stand in front of fear to scare it. If you stand up to fear, fear will get smaller. If you stand yep. up to fear, it'll shrink down. If you stand up to fear, you'll see your image in it you'll see your reflection in it and it won't be as scary and pretty yeah. soon all those things will come back to your friend who's lost everything i'm so sorry like i got goosebumps and i, I know I, I know what it's like to be scared and fearful but if you just take one step forward yeah, i promise exactly. you all those things can come back and they can come back in yeah. ways that you've never imagined but yeah. you have to be willing to hold the space for yourself and be like look what am i doing wrong ask that question and like what can i do that's mm. right and stop like it's really hard because it's really easy to to look at everyone else but oh they had help or someone helped them or yep. why can't that happen to me like it, it can happen to you but you have to be willing to help yourself before anyone else will help you help you but there's tons of people will rush in to help you if you begin helping other people help exactly you. yes love that i was gonna say i just want to echo that that yeah. yes what once you take that first step and say hey, I need help, you'll be amazed at how many people come in, especially those of us that, you know, have, have found healing and want to help people. So, yeah, so I love that. What am I doing wrong? Yeah. And, and um, what ideas do, do you have that might help me? And yeah. go from there, yeah. That's why I think on some level, look, when people are ready for psychedelics, I think psychedelics allows you, you know, part, part of the problem there, at least for me, was that, it's so much that you don't want to confront it. And when you don't want to confront it, the yeah. world crashes in on you. And psychedelics gives you a, a gentle way to begin seeing it. Like in my opinion, psychedelics helps you understand it's not your fault. And when yeah. you understand that part, 
it gets easier to look at it like, oh, okay, this is a situation I can fix. Instead of just crushing yeah. myself, instead of just beating myself up until I'm a bloody pulp and hating myself, why don't I look and see if there's some little things I can do to fix it? And it, it just shifts your focus from blaming yourself and hating yourself so much. And, that, and so much of people that find themselves down and out are – finding themselves in self-hatred and stuff like that. And yeah. like, it, it, there's no, there's no way out of that. Like yeah. it's a, it's a self-destructive manner and it, it breaks my heart because I, I know what it feels like. And we've all seen people in our lives that, that have gone through there, but there's a way out. There's, I promise yeah. you there's a way out. Yes. So. There's definitely a way out. And, and I love your, also your thing about fear. And it made, it yeah. made me all said, when you said that, it made me think about boys and the there same you thing you face that boy and many times they back away because it's all bluff. It's all, yeah. it's all, they're insecure. They're afraid. And so they're putting up this big thing and you, you, and you stand up to them. The same thing with fear. Fear is doing that same thing. You know, Oh, if you don't take, you know, this, this pill, you know, this is going to happen to you or whatever. And it's fear, fear, fear. And if you just face up to it, well, let me look, let me do, let me look at the research. Oh, no, I don't need to take that pill or I don't need it. So, yeah. So facing up, I think is brilliant, George, if, if we can just yeah, be brave enough because it is, it does it's take hard. sometimes bravery, you know, to say, yeah. especially if you're that far down yeah, to be able to say, wait a second, this is BS. You know, I don't need this fear is crushing me and it doesn't, and it, you know, nine tenths of it are, is, is, is BS. It's not real. And so how do I fix that? So I love that. Yes. Yeah. It reminds me of, I think a lot of the answers to our life have been written in mythology. And when I hear people mm. that have fallen far, I think of the hero's journey. And I, I honestly believe the further you fall, the bigger your hero arc, right? Because when we look at the stories, like yeah. it's this person that had stuff and then they fell to the bottom and you're like, oh, they're done. But then when they come back, like, mm -hmm. It's ingrained in every one of our souls. I think it's written on our hearts that we love a comeback. Everybody loves a comeback. Everybody loves to see the bad news bears. Everybody yep. loves to see that person that should never be at the top, get there and stay there and excel. And so in some ways, if you can harness that, if you can just dig down deep and read the scripture on your heart, you have the instructions to do it. And I think that people that find themselves in the bottom, as hard as it is down there, maybe what's happened is you've been put in the forge and everything bad about you has been burned away so that you can rise as the phoenix and become better than you've ever been. Like maybe that's what it means. Maybe yeah. you're in a process of becoming the best human being that's ever been born. You know, yeah. you begin to look at it like that. Like, okay, I've had all the fat burned away from me. I've had all the troubles burned away from me. Now I can begin at the beginning and now I can build the world I've always wanted for myself. And I think that's a good way to start seeing it at that bottom yeah. down there. I love it. I, I, as you were talking, I, I, I immediately said Phoenix rising and then you yeah. said it, darn it all. <laughs> but yeah, perfect. I, I think that's right. That Phoenix rising is a beautiful imagery. Um, you know, hard to see when you're at the bottom, but to have that, to be able to clutch onto some hope like that is, is awesome. And yeah, I think we all do want, love the underdog love. Yeah. And I, I love that idea of hope for people that, yeah, it's like that rubber band. It's it stretched all the way down. You're so far, but it's going to snap higher. You know, it's going to yeah. fly you up there to a, a much better life. Yeah. 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 I agree 100%. We got our good friend Bob in here. He's, um, he, let me see. Where are we gonna start? We'll start with this one. This is from the beginning of our conversation when he said, I agree with Randall that this has to be addressed. I see a couple of things that have to be addressed. 
there isn't enough information about aftercare or downside. What do you think about that? I agree. I, I, you know, I think I can't remember if I told you this, George, uh, but when I first got into psychedelics, um, people were, oh yeah, you go to retreat and, uh, you know, you have a couple of integration circles and you're done. Wow, that's, that almost sounds like a magic pill, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, as I got more involved in psychedelics, I was like, I was looking at it and, you know, no, the, the, the key part of this whole process is, is the work, is the integration, what we call the integration. And maybe that needs a new word too. I don't know. But, um, and I think any healing, whatever modality you use, you need to integrate what is this you know what does this new insight mean how does it fit into my new plan of life and what's going on and so you know my you know now when i talk to people about psychedelics i said you know just be prepared to integrate really the rest of your life because it's not a one and done or four and done or whatever because first of all you you have new experiences that are happening every day in your life and you might have some other traumas that happen to you small large whatever and so it's not just psychedelics and done. Um, and then the aftercare also is, um, you know, if you have a challenging experience, you know, that needs a lot more integration because there's that fear again, you know, Oh, I thought I was avoiding fear. Now I'm having this crazy challenging experience. And, you know, George, I think just back, talking about our language thing yeah. now, this is just off the cuff, but, I wonder how much of that fear that we store within us from this culture, from society, from media, from our parents, along with that trauma, if that doesn't also help in, in a negative way, a challenging experience in a, in a psychedelic journey, because, um, you know, I've, we've had discussions with people that have set their intention, you know, the setting was perfect. Uh, everything was all there. They went in um, and they still had, you know, images they never want to see again in their lives or things like that, that are, that were challenging to them. Um, my thing, of course, is sometimes they call them bad trips. I'm like, no, no, that's again, the drug war talk. Let's call mm. it a, a challenging journey. But those people need aftercare. And so, again, I do, you know, as we look at the bigger picture of psychedelics and how people do psychedelics, if the psychedelic guide model still exists down the road after things get rescheduled and or decriminalized, mm. I think one of the things that all psychedelic facilitators have to do ethically is have a package or something of many integration sessions, not just two after the session or some have three or four. I think you need to have that. Uh, so I agree that there is that. Uh, and again, that's, that's moving away from this idea that it is a magic pill because it's not, it, it, it is going to take the work. Um, and, you know, even if you do journeys four <laughs> times a year or however yeah. many times, again, all that work, it, you just got to keep doing the work. You got to have yeah. to keep doing that integration. Yeah, um, it's well said. Yeah. You know, sometimes I think the integration, like, I love the idea that you have to keep doing the work because the integration is 
is an ongoing relationship with the psychedelic substances. And it's, yeah. it's not just taking it and then thinking about what happened for a while. It's right. then, the, then the, it's like each one is a step. So you take a step up and then you, you pause and you take a step up and then you pause. But each time you take a psychedelic substance, I think you're building on the momentum of the last one. And that's why it's Definitely. imperative to have a relationship. So the integration is never done. Yeah. You know, in in some ways, it seems to me that the the a psychedelic retreat center is like a dip in the shallow end, and they should mm. be they should be set up as like a a may, maybe they should be like a a kindergarten. You know, a retreat center is like a kindergarten. Like you go there to learn the ABCs mm. of psychedelics, and you get a little bit there. But ultimately, I think that the people that really need help are going to need to go to something vastly superior to a retreat center. They're going to need long-term work with a health professional that thoroughly understands the problem they're going through, who has probably gone through the same problem, yeah. you know, and, but the retreat centers are a great place for people who are curious to begin to understand what a journey with this substance may look like. So yeah, it's, I, I do. I, I think that the, and that's a process that, that we can, look to the future to see that they can help people. And I, I see it unfolding in ways that, that can be beautiful. And I'm, I'm hopeful and thankful that it can move in that direction. Yeah. And, and just to, to tie into what you just said, reminded me, you know, psychedelics back to the sixties. Yeah. LSD was being used by many thousands of yeah. psychologists and psychiatrists uh, to help with the therapy sessions. And so I see that as part of the model in the future as well. Yeah. Um, you know, having someone to help give you a framework for discussing these things if you don't have that. And my, I would love to see that be sort of that same thing as you talked about the retreat center. The retreat center is the start of that. Yeah. Uh, same thing with talk therapy, but then maybe after they get enough of that, they can then start doing that own work on their own. And I know many people, George, I know you do too, that do the psychedelic work on their own. Yeah. But I think it has to get to, you have to get to a yeah. point first. Sure. You know, it's not safe until you until you learn the ropes, how yeah. to deal with this, what these substances do, how long a journey is going to take, uh, you know, what things you want to have around you in your setting to make sure it's safe and, and all these things. So um, but I think, yeah, then uh, then it then it it has to be. Um, I think on an earlier podcast, we talked about Maslow's hierarchy of need. Yeah. So I think, you know. I never quite grasped that self-actualization before mm. psychedelics right. because I always thought, how do you get to that point? Cause he talks about that point where you basically give, you know, you've achieved this, this self-enlightenment and, and you have this sense of, uh, we are all connected. We're all one. And, and this wanting to be in a service to give back and, you know, I look at our culture, our society, I'm looking at Maslow's hierarchy. I'm like, I, I get the social needs. I get the, you know, the, 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 some of the other uh, steps in the process, but it's self-actualization. But I think with healing, with psychedelics, that's a place we can finally get to and finally understand and understand ourselves maybe for the first time since we were infant, not maybe not infant, since we were children, you know, that we now uh, really understand our core selves, like, like we never have in 
50 years, 40 years, whatever, however old you are. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And, you know, it's sometimes I wonder, like when we look back at the, the way in which there's a lot of literature that says in some indigenous cultures, only a handful of people would really take the psychedelics, yeah. you know, like yep. there may be ceremonies where people go from adulthood to manhood or from, from yeah. adulthood to womanhood where they take them once or twice. But, you know, it, in a lot of literature, it says that there's a, there's a handful of people that take them and that they help the community move through. And sometimes yeah. like as, as you know, you and I, and so many people in this community, we're so locked into this, like we, we eat, breathe and sleep it. Like we're like, it can do this. It can do that. Look at it. You know, maybe it is for a handful of people and maybe this is a handful of people, you know, like we want everyone to experience what we're experiencing. But the truth is when you get outside a few of the ripples, people are afraid, they're scared, they are comfortable. And maybe, you know, on some level, maybe it's not for us to decide what people should do. And I, like, it's, I juggle with that because I'm like, I think it could help so many people. And I yep. really think it would totally benefit all these people. But then, you know, after I think about that or I pull on that thread long enough, I'm like, who am I to tell those people they need that? Maybe they, maybe they don't, man. I mean, maybe it would, maybe it would help them, but maybe they're fine. So it, it's a, it's a weird sort of dichotomy we're looking at, right? Yeah, I, I, I get that. I mean, I, I, with this book and, and the new book I'm working on, it's, it, it's that same, it's that same struggle. Like, it, it, you know, who am I to say you should be healing, you know, <laughs> but, but I, I think it's also, it's, it's almost like this obligation I yeah. feel. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, I'm not going to twist someone's arm here, take a mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I, I so I think, you know, another way, maybe it's not language at all. Maybe it's something like psychedelic science, or maybe it's like this podcast, or maybe it's a thousand podcasts where it's not the words we're saying, but how we're, exp how we're seeing ourselves, expressing yeah. ourselves, being seen. Because again, how, how do you describe healing to someone who feels like they're totally fine? You can't. So there again, maybe they're I, so let's let's pull that back a little bit. Maybe they're just not ready. Yeah. Not in the way my friend is. That she's ready. She's just not, I mean, she's desperately needs one. She's just not ready in that sense. But then there are others that say, Oh, I'm perfectly fine. You know, oh yeah, I, I you know, I was molested as a kid, but I'm over that. Maybe. Yeah. And if you are wonderful, awesome. not going to be amazing. I don't right. know. I'm a, I'm a survivor and I know many others who are survivors of that. And I can say I'm now over it. I don't, I, 20 years ago, I could lie and say I was over it. And I definitely was not because I, I was saying to everyone around me, Oh yeah, I'm over it. And then I was going out and getting drunk and doing stupid things. And passing out in my truck. And so, you know, that's clearly, I'm not healed. It was right. screaming to me, but I wasn't looking at it yeah. because outwardly I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm healed. I'm fine. And so how, that's another question. So, you know, how do we get those people that we see them clearly fractured, clearly not healed, but they're going around saying I'm healed. I guess, again, they're none of our business. 
unless you know they're a dear friend if it's or acquaintance yeah we just have to let them live their lives i guess um but yeah i i i you know i just hear so many stories of or so many people telling me you know these veterans saying you know damn it there'd be no more wars mm. and just imagine how much we could cut the defense spending that we you know the defense bill just passed yeah. in the Senate and, and the House just passed their own versions of it. I, I don't know how many trillions it is, but you know how much of that could be reinvested in building more parks, building better food centers, building regenerative agriculture, better roads, better, you know, all this stuff that would make life better. But again, this fear, no, we need to spend trillions on defense to be the world's police and all that. And, and when you're healed, it's like, that stuff doesn't matter anymore. What matters yeah. is how's my neighbor next door? How are they doing? Are they okay? Uh, what am I eating? Am I eating Krispy Kreme and a Diet Coke chaser or <laughs> I'm eating something healthy? You know, it's like, so it's like, I don't know. Uh, now I've sort of lost track of where we were going, but I just think it's, it's, so many people are are broken many of us realize it many of us don't and for me the biggest example i i had was like i said i i i literally realized at some point i was wearing multiple masks mm-hmm. and it got really exhausting because i had to remember oh in this group i'm this guy i'm happy ran you know in this group yeah. i'm intellectual ran or whatever and <laughs> and then in the bar i'm fun ran and woo <laughs> so i i realized you know and, but then you get, you get, you have this little freak out. Whoa. Well, who is the real, right? Whoa. And if I pull them all off, do I want to see you who that real mm. one is? And I think again, back to that, that's where that healing starts. So, so yeah, I agree. I, I, it's not our place. Um, you know, I love Matt Zeman and I love what he says, you know, I love the title of his book, you know, psychedelics for everyone, but then he says, it, but they're not for everyone. So it's yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of juxtaposition, you know? Yeah. And I agree. I, so yeah, I, I I agree, George. I think psychedelics could help every single person, especially in the Western world, because we are the most messed up. Uh, you know, we have the most chronic illnesses. We have the most addiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, all these problems. Um, but it's not our. Again, if if we are doing that, then we're becoming that paternalistic. You know. Oh yes, you must heal. Yeah, no, they, yeah. They, can, they, they have to decide to heal. Yeah, that's that is a beautiful summation of it. As much as we much as we want to help people, you know, we got to be careful about becoming that paternal person who yep. forces healing on people. Like the people that the people that hear the conversations, you know, they say that when you're ready, the teacher will show up. Maybe yep. just having a podcast or maybe talking about it becomes the words of the teacher that shows up to people that need the help. And that's enough, yeah. I think. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, let me give you an example. Yeah, please. Um, so, uh, I was you know, during my uh, breakdown or whatever we want to call it. Yeah. Uh, I was living in Florida, and um, I can't I can't tell you where it came from, and certainly wasn't the psychedelic experience. But I just got the sense I needed to leave the state. And I needed to buy land and I, 
and live in the forest. I had no idea why it wasn't. I mean, as a kid, you know, when I was a teenager, I did, I did love environmentalism. I did think about being a forest ranger, going to the forest service. So I did, I did have that nature connection early on, but, but everyone I knew looked at me like I had just gone insane. <laughs> like here you live in suburbia, a flat, hot state. And you're talking about moving to the PNW where there's snow mountains and you're talking about living in a forest? Are you crazy? And and, and 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 you know, there were moments where I thought, maybe I am. And then it turned out nature was the greatest healer of my life. Yeah. But and so just getting to your point, I was called to it without even knowing I was called to it. So again, how do you express that? I think you're right. I think the healer finds you, whether it's the psychedelic. You know, we talk about the, the plants all the time. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the fungi come to you or ayahuasca calls to you. And I think there's a lot of truth to that because we are part of nature. So I think there, so there's that element that, yeah, that the, when we're ready, it'll show up. But I guess for me, I would say the warning sign or whatever is it might be something totally weird, like buying land thousands of miles away from where you live. Yeah. But don't don't let that fear say oh that's a dumb idea you know i started believing people and i started doubting maybe i shouldn't buy this land and wow thank god i did because that led to healing that led me to finding uh, the most amazing partner and she's not listening so i can say that yeah. <laughs> no but i mean everyone who knows jenny in this space in fact they probably love her more than they love me and that's totally fine because she's she's a more beautiful person than i am i, I you know uh she literally one of her psychedelic journey uh, without giving too much away because it's her journey but she had this she holds space for so many people during the psychedelic journey she had this amazing release that felt like a thousand souls were leaving her body and she had this lightness to her that she hadn't felt in years and i think for anyone that's a true empath like that they hold that in um and so, again, now I lost where I was. Where, where was I going with that, George? I you were talking that. about the incredible experience she had and how beautiful of a person yeah. she was. Yeah. And so, so it's so, you know, healing comes in all these different ways. And I think uh, if you if you let that fear go of whatever the idea is, right. whether it's a psychedelic, whether it's going to India to ashram or going to buy a land in a forest or yeah. uh, going on a month long meditation, whatever, you know, whatever's calling to you. I think that's important to, to investigate it because that is also maybe uh, maybe a first step of healing. If you're not quite in the zone of, of recognizing that you need a healing journey. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think it's, it speaks volumes of not being afraid of your thoughts, whether it's buying land or, you know, a lot of the times we just suppress our thoughts. Like, oh, I can't do that. And then it's gone. But yep. maybe that's not a thought. Maybe that's your heart calling to you. Maybe that's nature connecting with you. You know, a lot of times we hear things like you are what you eat. Well, what if you eat a lot of mushrooms? You know, <laughs> what if you what, what if you're eating a whole food diet? Doesn't that make you part of the planet if you are what you eat? 
And might that make you see the world in a different way if you're not eating processed food versus eating food that comes from the land? And I think it speaks volumes of a lot of the processed food goes to the cities, which is like a concrete yep. jungle. Yep. You know, and it's it's interesting how you're like, wow, if you feed a person this particular diet, they live this particular lifestyle or vice versa. I don't know which came first, the chicken or the egg. But, you know, the same thing is like, wow, it, it sure seems like people that live out in the nature, they seem a little eat a little healthier. They seem to have a little bit different perspective on things. And, you know, it's, it's interesting how that happens. And, you know, I, I agree. I, I think a lot of it comes back to fear and whether it's the language we're using, whether it's the way we're living our life, you know, and I, I think that psychedelics open you up to the confrontation of fear and it makes confrontation, you know, not a scary word. And, and that's, that's what you, sh you, yeah. you, people should really try to face whatever fear they have. Start by, start with a little fear, you know, turn on the yeah. faucet a little bit, you know, and yeah. it moves down that road. Yeah. I like that idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Keep your hand on the tap so you can shut it off real quickly, but yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just a little drop here. Okay. Not that yeah. battle more. The next thing you know, you're having a drink. And next thing you know, the fear becomes you and yeah. you realize you're dangerous, your fear. Like, you, it's like making my, my daughter a while back was like, oh, dad, there's a monster in the closet. I'm like, I know. And he's very crazy. He's scared. He's like, what? And I'm like, but don't worry. He wants to be your friend. You got to make friends with him. Because guess what? As scary as it is to you, once you make friends with him, now he hides in your closet and he protects you from all the bad people. And you always have him with you. Just make friends with him. And I think that that's something we all wow. should do is make friends with the monster, right? Like, yeah, he is a monster. Guess what? You're the monster, but make friends with them. <laughs> but see, I love that. It just shows what a good parent you are. But I, I love that also because, as a, see, as a child, I think we we can embrace that. Yeah. And say, you know, she might be like, "Hey, dad or daddy, whatever." But but then she's like, "Oh, but you know," but as an adult, we say, you know, if you say that to me, Joy, you know. uh, I'm trying to make an example, you know, uh, yeah. that crazy person in town, just avoid him because he, or no, 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 go, go make friends with him because he wants to be your friend. I'd be like, George, you're crazy. You know, I've, I've heard that guy mugs people or whatever. Yeah. And we put, we start putting all these, um, rationalizations on that. But yeah. as a child, you know, we're like, we buy into it. It's like, Oh, that's a kind of a cool idea to think <laughs> about. I, and, and we don't have all these, we haven't built up yeah. decades of rationalizations. So again, I think that that healing back to you know putting all these bows on it, but I think healing all and psychedelics especially allows us to kind of bring back that childlike curiosity yeah. about ourselves, about the world, where we fit into that world. Yeah, okay. Well, so this ties right back to language. If we think about it as yeah. a child, we're given labels and language. Mm. You know, if if you are you're taught at a young age to read and write. And what is re reading and writing is you look at a word and then you, then you look at the letters. So you're really finding ways to analyze each particular symbol. And we give each letter its own name and then we give it a word and then we give it a sentence and then we give yeah. it a paragraph. Like if you think about the way that trains your mind to think, like it, it trains you to see yourself outside of yourself and as an individual not connected to anything. You're a letter in a word, 
in a sentence, in a paragraph, in a story, in a book. You know what I mean? Like, and it just, it forces you to think like this linear path. But that is such a one-dimensional way of thinking, and it closes you off to the rest of the world. Yep. Like, why not think of yourself as the character, the lead character in the story, instead of thinking of yourself as a letter? Like, it's such a – and that gets us back to language, right? Yeah. And I think that that's what psychedelics do is they open you back up to redefining the world around you instead of seeing yourself as a symbolic letter in a grand story like that. So, yeah, I agree. It, it re – Psychedelics allow us to rediscover a world that we want to imagine ourselves in. And when yes. you do that, the, the limit, there's no limitations on your life. Yep. You understand that you don't have to get up and go do this thing. You understand that you don't have to be these labels people put on you. You could be anything. And we haven't felt the feeling of being anything since we were a child. It's like our yep. imagination has been stolen from us. Yep. That's exactly right. Love it. <laughs> print it. Print it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true you know yeah. except for maybe a few artists and you know uh, all the people maybe in the creative field we you know our creativity is often stifled pretty early on because of that that narrow path you know and, and even those you know i remember uh even as a kid i'm trying to think you know talking about you know oh i want to be uh you know, I just want to live out in nature or whatever, some some non-job type thing. And I remember, you know, family members saying, well, how are you going to support a family? And so, yeah, I mean, we yeah. get this, we get put on this narrow path. And uh, the one word in, in one of my psychedelic experiences that, and and maybe it was really hitting me on the head because it's pretty obvious now, but it wasn't that, <laughs> it seemed profound in the journey, but it was i was i was struggling with a bunch of issues in this one journey and i thought they were unrelated but again the cool thing about psychedelics is like oh no let's look at this and it ended with this pounding i mean again language but it felt like a pounding on my head of perspective change perspective and so every time now i look at something especially if it's negative I just hear that word so strongly in my head still today. What am I missing? Mm -hmm. What's the flip side? What are they hiding? What's the fear? And so perspective, same thing. We have to change that perspective at times. We have to see it differently. We have to see our life differently. The path that we, that was maybe chosen for us in some way. Yeah. I mean, we chose, but we were directed for sure. Yeah. Even if we think we chose it. Um, and, and if nothing else, the psychedelics freeze you of that, of that one, that one mindset to actually allow you to change and see different perspectives. Yeah. It, it's so, it's so beautiful. And I, I, I think that this is one of the underlying messages of, of most psychedelic experiences. I, I, I had someone tell me once that, you know, life's not trying to hurt us. It's just that life is a really good dancer and we have two left feet. And, you know, you know, it's so beautiful. I think it was, um, I think it was Jorge Padron out of Miami. That guy's, he's a brilliant, brilliant young guy and uh, people should check him out. Um, but it makes sense. And I know for myself in my life where, when, you know, I, I have, 
I have found myself wanting to stand up for integrity and doing the right thing. And when I did that, I was met with a lot of resistance. And, you know, I, I even, I got fired from my job for standing up for what I believe in. And at the time I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened. But then all of a sudden I thought to myself like, wow, wait a minute. I did something that I wanted to do. Maybe, maybe this is the world's way of rewarding me. Yep. You know, and then, I, and then it, like I, I went through this one scenario that I really like that I've been playing with. And it's like, I think that life is one big martial arts dojo. And at any point in time, when you're ready to go to the next belt, you can. All you have to do is call over the master's attention and go through your contest. And if you do it right, you're going to get promoted to the next level. But sometimes getting promoted to that next level means leaving, means leaving that dojo and going to another one. And yep. you don't get to see if you pass the test, you don't get to say you don't have any say in what the, the promotion looks like. Right. You know, you just get promoted. So yep. what if these things you think are a tragedy are, in fact, a promotion? What if, OK, you've demonstrated to me, George, that you're willing to stand up to authority. I got a bigger job for you. Come with me. And you're like, but wait, I'm losing all this. And You're like, no, you're not knucklehead. You're being promoted. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and, and I think people can use that metaphor in their life. What if this tragedy that you think happened to you is actually a promotion? What if you're just, hey, something bigger than you imagine said, this person has it, come with me. Like, that's what's happening in life. And I really believe that. Like, these things that are happening to us are because you've passed a test and you've graduated. And now we need you for bigger and better things. Come with me. <laughs> what do you yeah. think? Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. <laughs> Um, I think that, yeah, I, I think any uncomfortable moment in your life is a chance to kind yes. of look into it. Right. And, 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 and uncomfortable from light to, you know, all the way to, to trauma, obviously. Yeah. Um, I agree. I agree. I think, you know, I just, as you were talking, I was thinking we get lulled into being comfortable we get lulled into thinking this is what life's about you know if your job like, you know you worked that job for a number of years and you were comfortable in it you yeah you know you like the people and all that and you know it wasn't until as we all have experienced uh some bad bosses come in but um and but when we're comfortable we're like well you know don't rock the boat you know i'm, I'm happy here i'm okay and I think you're right. I think that, that, again, whatever we want to call it, universe, divine, God, maybe does interrupt, have these interruptions in our life to try to wake us up. Yeah. And if we just say, oh, no, you know, I'm scared, I'm fearful, or that doesn't mean anything, or I'll just find a new job, you know, screw them. I don't, you know, instead of like, ooh, <laughs> this is a wake up call. Yeah. Which, you know, and so I love that idea. I like that. Looking for moments of discomfort as a sign maybe you need to start a healing journey. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 I think it's a road sign, you know? Yeah. And, and if you're yeah. aware of it, this, okay, so this just brings us back to the world of language and metaphors. Like, yeah. what a, right? Like, and as someone who thoroughly understands the language, what a beautiful world it is when we can use language to describe a world we want to live in. And isn't mm. it interesting that the only way you can come up with new knowledge is to reference old knowledge. And like, I think that that's something that 
maybe we could get into that for a minute. I, I love talking to you. This is really fun, but I'm let's, let me, let me address some more of these comments, right? <laughs> okay, here. I, sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. so stoked on all these people. There's so many awesome ones in here. Yeah. So, so, some of them love, yeah. Dude, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Ken, Aliana, Jeff, Bob, Rachel. <laughs> I love you guys, man. You guys are so awesome. Here's Ken. George, you've been nipping into the site. You know this, Ken. I'm, I'm talking to Rand. You know I'm a microdose when I'm talking to Rand. Come on. <laughs> we're going to come back to Bob. Has a We're going to come back to Bob's ideas about skepticism because we're going to get into that. But yeah. I just want to address some more of these before we before we touch on that one, Bob. I love you too, Bob. You're an amazing human being. Yeah, Bob's great. Yeah. Rachel, psychedelics are in no way recreational for me, but I look forward to the day that they can be. And I use THC for exercise. She's probably in the sauna right now listening to this, Rachel. I, I, I love her posts are crazy, but I love her. I love that she's on that healing journey. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so it's fantastic. I think this one's our friend Jeff right here. Great discussion about fear, George and Rand, fear acronyms. False oh. evidence appearing real. Oh. Face everything and rack him. Let's, we should start writing them down. Yeah, really. <laughs> oh, I like face everything and rise. Yeah. I know. It's, it's so amazing what we can do with our language. And we talked about how language is a way in which we can change the world around us because your language changes your inner dialogue as well, too. And I think acronyms can play a big part in that. Need to play ball with the FDA overlords, and that's the price of admission. Woo! Ooh, that's it. We, we, we could spend a whole podcast just on that <laughs> topic. <laughs> yep. Ken, Jeff Wilner, CPM. Of course, absolutely. I concur with all of this. Oliana, mm -hmm. after one of my plant experiences, my own therapist was shocked at how quickly I made progress between two of our sessions. Plant medicine is not a magic pill but it definitely feels that way. So I can see why someone would promote it as a magic pill. They're passionate and most have good intentions. I mean, they are called magic mushrooms, right? You know, I, I love this. I just want to talk yeah. about this. For please, a second please do. This is again, for those that are fearful of psychedelics, this is a great testimonial because, and I think a lot of, a lot of the therapists, uh, that are now working with psychedelics or hoping to would agree with this completely. Uh, you know, there's an old, I think one of the first things I heard when I was getting into psychedelics was, oh yeah, taking psychedelics is like having seven years of therapy or something like that. And it's, and it's not that, but it's this, just what she says. Mm. It's, it allows you between sessions to, almost prep for the next one because you, you, you see stuff and then you can take it that you maybe were totally unaware of, especially with childhood right. trauma, because again, um, our childhood brain doesn't know how to process it. So what it basically does is just puts it away somewhere else yeah. where we don't want to see it. And when we do see it, we call those triggers. It, you know, it forces a reaction and we push it further down so with plant medicine, it, as you know, we've talked about earlier, allows us to see something and maybe we don't quite understand it or maybe, uh, you know, uh, and that's again, why it's so important to have integration or therapy, because then you can go talk it out and say, so it's not just a, a, an echo chamber in your head. It's, well, this is what I experienced and these are the imagery or whatever. And, mm. and, you know, this is what I think it means, but 
I'm looking for feedback. And I think, so this is exactly for those who are looking for, uh, that know they have trauma and, and know they need healing and want to work with a therapist, the plant medicine goes hand in hand with the therapy wonderfully. Yeah. And I, I love what you said right here because it does to, to me, I would like to speak to the magic of it. And when, yeah. to me, what the magic of it is, is that you're consuming part of nature. And when you do that, you see yourself as nature. And that helps you thoroughly understand that you're part of something bigger. And when you can do that, I think that that opens you up to processing information in a different way. So much of us, we're you know, and maybe it comes back to the idea of language and letters and, and words in a sentence. We see ourselves as an individual and we've been conditioned to see ourselves that way since we were children. Yep. So of course, when there's a problem, we're going to blame ourselves and then we're going to dislike everyone around us because we dislike ourselves. But when you ingest the plant medicine, it's almost like you get the chance to become part of nature and see yourself as nature and part of the whole again. And when you do that, you realize that, Oh, generational trauma. Hey, look, I, I'm this tree that fell from a seed mm -hmm. on top of this big tree. Of course, I'm going to grow in the same area. Of course, I'm going to have the same characteristics. I'm the same kind of tree. Hey, right. well, look at where the tree bends over here. Okay, maybe I should try to grab some sunlight over here. You know, and you really begin to open up to this idea that you're bigger than this walk from the hospital to the graveyard. And you can yeah. process information that way in a, diff a different light. To me, that's the magic that that is in there. And I, I don't know. I, it, it's such a beautiful way to, to look at it. I'm glad you said that. Well, coming back to what you said earlier, George, you know, the indigenous, uh, like you said, uh, for, for a long, long time, the shaman the medicine person, man, woman would do the, the psychedelic and then help heal the community. But look at the difference between Western, as you just said, individual, yeah. we are individual, individual, individual. Right. And, uh, and the indigenous it's community, it's community. We're all in this together. And so I think that's why the shot, why they didn't have to take yeah. the medicine because they were all, already in tune with nature in tune with themselves in tune with the community one person wasn't better than the other in the western model you know uh, who's going to make their first you know how what you're you're 50 you only made your first million dollars what are you you're a <laughs> slacker you know and it's all this individual stuff so you're right so i think that's why we have to take the psychedelics because we've been so programmed yeah. to be separate from nature, <clears throat> yeah. separate from community and, and building our own little fiefdom, our own little silo um, that we, it, you know, the psychedelic shatters that silo. Yeah. And says, well, yeah. I mean, I love when I hear someone tell me, you know, I, sh I, took, I, I smoked my five MEO DMT and I was shot into space <laughs> and I saw the universe and I saw I was nothing and I was everything. Mm -hmm. And that's the common thing. Most people say I was nothing and I was everything. And it's like, and it was the worst experience, but the best experience. I'm like, how could that possibly be? And I haven't, you know, I have, that's a medicine I haven't done myself. And I, I go back and forth. Is the medicine calling me or is the medicine scaring me? I'm not sure which, <laughs> but 
<clears throat> but I love that sense of back to what you said about individuals, because it that if if no other psychedelic does, that one certainly does, because it shatters you into a million pieces and says you're you're throughout the universe, you're throughout nature. But then it puts you back together and says, okay, now that you realize this, go forth and, and, you know, it sounds crazy, but that, you know, so I love that. Yeah. I think that's why we have to take psychedelics because we have become so separated from nature and from community and from, uh, you know, uh, I know there are some people that still have multiple multi-generational people living yeah. in their property, yeah. but most of us don't, you know, most of us, our parents or grandparents live completely different places. Our kids live other places. And so it's, a, you know, that's also a way of for fracturing that community. Yeah. You know, it's when you talked about 5-MeO-DMT, it 5-MeO-DMT is like being a scholar of the Charles Dickens novel, A Tale of Two Cities for mm. a Lifetime, but you do it in like 10 seconds. It's the best times, the worst of times. <laughs> you yeah. just become a Charles Dickens scholar in like 30 seconds. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, when we think of the West, like, and I'm, I'm, I'm confident that this was done purposely on some level. The people that are in charge of society tried this experiment. We're like, hey, why don't we as a community. And I think that this was the foundation of let's send our people to old folks, send our parents to an old folks home, let's send our kids to school and we'll send the people to work. Like in a weird way, this was based on why don't we let the community help everybody and we'll let everybody do that. But that system fa has failed, yeah. be it corruption, be it greed, but I'm sure it was based on a good idea when it began. But as, as someone who lived that life, and found it so incredibly empty. And then I moved to Hawaii and I saw the way in which generational families live. Mm. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so much better. There's so much more wisdom a parent yes. or a grandparent has with a child than a new set of parents. Like as a new set of parents, man, you're like, oh, I don't even know what to do with this thing. And you <laughs> yeah, freak right. out and you're tired and you're fighting because the kid doesn't sleep and you and your wife are at each other's throats. But if you have a grandparent that lives there, they're like, you come here, dummies. Why don't you go, go away for a little bit? We yeah. got them. We got you. Yep. And here's what you do when that happens. Here's how you do it. Like we have decided that on some level that that wisdom can be taken out of the family, you know, but it, and maybe it can, but it's just, it just doesn't work as good. It's so much better when you have people around you in a family that love you and it's, it's yeah. a better world that way. So yeah, and I, yeah. I, I love the wisdom being passed down. That's a beautiful, yeah. beautiful idea. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we see where we are without it. Like we get in trouble without it. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Woo. This is beautiful. Today's yeah. conversation is so delectably scrumptiously delicious, edibly tasty, good, and filled with nuggets of wisdom, <laughs> kindness, goodness, patience, encouragement, empathy, understanding, sincerity, perseverance, knowledge, honesty, love, hope, courage, tenacity, Ooh. awesomeness, caring, positively, compassion, passion, inspiration, resilience, respect, appreciation, gratitude, enthusiasm, guidance, and motivation. I don't, know there's, I don't know if there's ever been a more beautiful sentence put together. <laughs> Speaking of language, there you go. Wow. Right? You encapsulated everything possible right there. Yeah. Here comes yeah, one. I, I, yeah, I, I, think, I think, George, that's – I think that's both our goals. I mean, uh, more we have more to strive for there, but I, I think that's what this is about. It is trying to 
share our knowledge, share our experience and be generous with our, you know, we're on this healing journey and we just want others to be on that healing journey as well. So I, I love, and I appreciate Ken so much for those, yeah. those words. Cause, cause you know, again, words are words, but you know, and, uh, words can motivate. And I think these are quite motivational. Yeah. I think every one of those could be a meditation. I, I, I'm yeah. going to write them down. I think there's almost 30 there. Like you could have one for yeah. every day. Just wake up and read one. <laughs> Thank you, Ken. You should, Ken, you should make a calendar of this and we could all, we could all put it on our, on our calendar and wake up every yeah. morning and just say it out loud. <laughs> this one comes from Jeff. Indigenous cultures and native people rely upon prayer, ceremony, song, and dance. Or maybe this isn't, this is LinkedIn user yeah. primarily. And then psychedelics are utilized in only a few ceremonies. Yeah. yeah. It's, it speaks to the power of, of the medicine, like how, and the community too, like you were saying. Yeah. Here's another. Yeah. And by the way, song and dance are, are great modalities for healing too. You know, somatics, getting out there, shaking it out. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. There's something to be said about the way in which you can move your body that is medicinal in a lot of ways. Yeah. And something so seductive and beautiful about dance too, that yeah. puts you in a different state, right? The realization you are broken is the beginning of your healing path. That's well said. Yeah. I think, I think we've all been there before and it's hard. It's hard to come to the realization because we don't want to believe it. Right. 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 Because again, we're, <laughs> we're programmed to succeed. You yeah. know, whatever, whatever that success term means. But, and I always ask my students that when I was, uh, when I was teaching, I, I had freshman first year students and I would say, Okay, you're in college. What what's your definition of success? And ooh, there's a lot of different definitions, but we're <laughs> but all programmed by by you know it's like well get a good job you know uh, get a good right. college education, get a good job, uh, have a family, all these things we're programmed to do these things, and so I think that leads into us to being able to to deny being broken because. No, we were promised all these things. We were promised a good job. We were, you know, not, yeah. prom but in our upbringing, we were kind of were promised that. And so I think that's sometimes why it's so shocking at times because we, we push away. I'm not broken. I'm not broken. I'm fine. I'm fine. And then you hit that wall. Yeah. And you smash your face against the glass or you, break through the glass and do more harm. And so I, th I think, yeah, the realization you're broken, but I think sometimes it takes about 10 times getting you there for some people, because we're so programmed to say, I'm not broken to hide that or hide that brokenness. Yeah. You know, we're, I think, you know, Jenny and I talk a lot about, um, uh, marketing to women because she's quite sensitive to that issue. And I am as well. And uh, first it was all the airbrushing and mm. now they have these AI models yeah. that aren't all even filters, real yeah. that look like, you know, perfect. And so she's, you know, she and many women struggle with this, uh, you know, here's this image of perfect perfection put on by marketers and advertising and, <laughs> here's the reality and, 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 oh, I must be broken because I don't look like that. I don't act like that. I don't. And so there are all these things going on with society. We have to figure out um, how to separate ourselves from that 
so we can have this moment of I'm broken, but it's okay. And then we add your part to that, which is because once I'm on this healing path, I'll find not enlightenment. That sounds too woo woo also, but I'll find myself. Maybe that's a better one. That is, that's perfect. Cause I think, <clears throat> I think that the term I am broken means the programming doesn't work for me. You know, and, and like, if you just yeah. think about it, like when you would ask your students about the definition of success, what they are giving you is someone's else, someone else's conditioning. Yep. And, and right. And, and it, it's, it's everywhere. We have gotten away from creativity. Production is, you know, creativity stripped of its imagination. And we don't, there's that, that's why when we see something new, we're like, oh, it's so original because mm -hmm. we're all just, just stay in your lane. Just be programmed. Like that's what, that's what people that scream about production want is they want people just to be focused and do this one thing. But when you do that, it's just this like flavorless vanilla, like that flavorless vanilla sucks, man. We should be doing original creative mm -hmm. Things and I think psychedelics lends us back our creativity. It leads us back to, you know, why are you broken? Well, you're broken because you're not being your authentic self, and that's yes. the feelings of tragedy that are weighing on you. That's the brokenness. Is is your soul screaming to you, "Be yourself. Come on, man. Have the courage to do what you want to do." Yeah. Like, but you feel broken when you don't listen to the to your soul, man. And I, I think that's what it kind of kind of comes back down to. It's. It's a, it's a crying out for authenticity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I was probably broken for, you know, 20 plus years, yeah. not realizing or not wanting to admit it. And it, like I said, it wasn't until, and I, you know, probably had, if I look back now and we're, and we're totally honest, I probably had other moments of acting out before that final crescendo that Right. showed me okay no there's something something wrong and then the nature came up but so yeah so don't you know so that my point there is just telling people you can start that healing journey anytime whether you're 22 right now and realize you're broken or whether you're 92 and realize you're broken a healing journey i i'm thankful every day that yeah i do i wish i had that healing journey you know, in my twenties, yes. <laughs> Am I extremely happy that I have a healing journey and live this life now? Yes. And, 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 you know, I don't have a time machine and I'm happy with this life now, but just so anyway, so just don't be discouraged. If you, if you realize today after this podcast, wow, I am broken. I'm not living my authentic life. Whatever age you are, you can start the yeah. journey today. Yeah. I think, yeah. Uh, Aliana sums it up here pretty good, which is, I think technically everybody is ready and everybody can oh, benefit. Yeah. But I also think if they can't accept it, they might have healing to do. That's an, an indication we shouldn't really recommend psychedelics. Yeah. It's a good point. And I think it echoes what we were saying earlier about everybody has stuff they can work on, but when they're ready, they'll find the teacher that's right for them. And, and maybe that means finding an underground teacher Maybe that finds a clinical setting. Maybe everybody's finds the teacher that they're looking for. Well, you know, and that goes back to what um, Tom DiNardo said yeah. earlier and also said, I think on your podcast, which is, you know, that message is always coming to us. 
yeah you you know you can heal you can heal but so many of us are tied up in our day-to-day lives we're not listening to that message we're blocking it out or we're filtering it out perception you know that perception that's a whole other podcast we could talk about but you know that lens we use to you know we're bombarded by stimuli and so we have to do something to narrow that so we can function yeah and you know blocking out anything negative is the easiest thing to do to keep us living day to day yeah it comes back to the ego and the threat detector yep. right yep. and if we don't block it out we can rationalize it and be like well it's this this and this you know it's right. it's because that person doesn't like me or it's you know whatever reason you're telling yourself it's it's easy to spin it in a way that allows you to continue living a life without adversity so it's yep. it's kind of a trippy thing to see yeah another acronym for us Ooh. the epic principle every person in charge of themselves what do you think rand interesting interesting uh i i i agree with that um i think I'm trying to think how I would how I how I'm, I'm picturing that. I mean, on 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 the outskirt on the on the surface, I totally agree with that. Um, and I think that's part of the healing process too. You, uh, we can't expect our doctor to heal us. We can't expect our therapist to heal us. You know, we have to do it ourselves. We can give do it with assistance. Yeah, but we're in charge of it. Yeah, it's a great point. And Lori. Lori, thanks for thanks for chiming hey, in, Lori. This is this is something that I think you do figure out when you're on yeah. your path. And some hit at 20, 30, some hit at 50, but hindsight is 2020. 20, and you don't realize it was a sign until later. Like that's so true. Like I I the way I see it, Lori, sometimes is like you're on this path and then you wind your way up to this foothill, and then you look down and you're like, oh, no wonder I felt that way. No wonder I felt like I was going to fall off the cliff because it was like this narrow. Of course, I would have felt like that. Like, yeah, I should have done that. That was a good thing to do to climb on right there. It, it's an interesting take. What, what's your take on seeing signs later in life in 2020? I, I think probably that's the vast majority of time because we're yeah. not tuned in, especially if we're not healed. We're just not tuned into it. Yeah. You know, I, I uh, just have probably talking about Jenny too much today, but just a funny little aside. When we first met, I knew immediately she was going to be a friend in my life, but I thought it was mm -hmm. just going to be a friend. I didn't think anything more. And, you know, we look back in hindsight now and we start cracking up because that lasted about three months. And then all of a sudden we had a random encounter to meet. We weren't, you know, we were living... I don't know, a thousand, couple thousand miles apart. And so it's like, oh, we'll just have a, you know, fun friend like you, Jordan, unless I get to a hot Hawaii, you know. Yeah. Uh, good friend, you know, key friend, but just a friend. And then we had this bizarre random meeting that you could not explain in a million years. It's just not even possible. Right. And again, I didn't have any expectations except to say, oh, wow, this is going to be great. Get a hugger and say hi. And, um, we touched hands and the both of us, the electricity just went off the roof, off the charts. And so in hindsight, we're like, how did this meeting even happen? But we look at it and we say, you know, again, there's whatever we want to call it, some divine, creative, conscious power, whatever we want to call it, there's some power that brought us together because 
in that we both helped each other heal and then both also formed this amazing partnership and this, this wonderful life that we live that we feel with joy and gratitude. But I, I, you know, I didn't see all that stuff happening yeah. until after the fact. So yeah, I think so much of it, when we're not, when we're healed though, I think you're right. I think now that we're in this healing journey, we can sometimes see that miracle or that sign happening yeah. uh, because we're already partway up that hill maybe. Uh, rather than be at the top and having to look down and say, ah, oh, yeah, I love that analogy. That's beautiful. But um, yeah, I agree. I think that Lori is, is right. It, it, and so, but that's okay. I think, I, I don't, I don't think, I think the key is just listening. Yeah. Um, like with, again, buying that land. I, I still can't tell you why I did it again. I, I just, it was just, it was this need. I think I realized I looked at my life and I looked at who the main mask or person was and I didn't like it. And I, and some would say, Oh, that you escaped. And I'm, well, yeah, I did. That was part of it. I sure I escaped that environment, but it wasn't the environment that was causing it. It was me that was, yeah. that was affecting the environment. And so, uh, so I somehow I listened. It wasn't logical. I'm sure, like I said, everyone told me I was crazy, but I followed that. So somehow we have to work in there that, yeah, it is hindsight. And you, you won't know wh why did I buy this land? But then years later, you will realize that you will realize, you know, what, oh, that was part of the healing journey. So, um, I, I guess I'd just say, yeah, it, it, this is the case, Lori, but just try to be open to signs uh, as much as you can, and especially if they're repeated signs. Like, you know, with ayahuasca, people say, oh, oh I just saw this podcast on ayahuasca. And then uh, someone randomly says, oh, have you heard about ayahuasca? And then someone else says, hey, I just came back from an ayahuasca retreat. Kind of sounds like ayahuasca is calling you <laughs> to maybe investigate a little bit. Yeah. So that's what I mean. So sometimes it maybe takes a couple signs to hit us over the head, but when we're when we're still in that in that uh, fractured state, but yeah, just look for the signs and and I think hindsight's okay. I think it's okay to be, you know, as long as we follow them, as long as we try to follow them. Yeah, I love I love what Lori said, and I if she's if she's still in the comments, I would. I'm curious, and I'll, I'll probably DM her about this, but yeah. I'm curious to what she thinks about 2020 and the realization of signs as a relationship with spirituality. Because sometimes we use the word sign hmm. in spirit or sign as in, you know, um, I know omen as a negative connotation, but like hmm. a, a sign or something from bigger than us. And, yeah. you know, when you, when you do look back on your past, you can see it as a sign of grace. Like, oh man, that was a miracle that happened. You know? So okay. if you're down, if you're Lori, if you're still here, let, let me know what you think about that. I, yeah. I'm curious, you know, uh, um, here's, here's the reason why when we talk about great teams, Aliana ah. says, Bufo is an amazing. And yes, the worst and best sums it up. And that, <laughs> I like the little, uh, the little emoji too. <laughs> yeah. And that's followed right up with Jeff that says, if I didn't know any better, I'd swear Bufo was the name of a muscle tea brand. Ah. <laughs> so funny. Here's a good one from Ron. He says, universities and professors worldwide have tested thoroughly more than 150 medicinal plants. And Malotira, Sidiratiris S, 
is the best of the best. Haven't you heard? I don't know anything about that. I have to look it up. You know anything about that? I don't. I don't know either. I, I do. I just, yeah, I'm going to look that up too. I, I just know I, I went to a conference and they had um, this Native American speaker. And, you know, he was basically saying, you know, we non-natives are kind of stupid. And because <laughs> we've we've lost this knowledge and, yeah. and he will, you know, you say it in a polite way, but you know, the truth is there, you know, there are all these amazing medicinal plants uh, and, and, and minerals for that matter. And uh, you know, vitamins and supplements have been poo pooed for years by again, the Western sort of uh, medical model. Um, but I, I'm a firm believer that, um, there are are numerous medicinal plants, and so yeah, I'm, I'm after the podcast. I'm definitely going to look this up. Yeah, I'm going to order some. I'm going <laughs> to put it in my garden. <laughs> Here's another one from Lori, where she talks about. I think we this is the point in which we were talking about the way society is set up, and we put our older folks in homes and our kids. And she says, yeah. without it, kids look to peers mm. instead of the older, experienced people, not looking up to anyone. Yeah. If you're just looking adjacent, like, you know, you're, you're just looking sideways and a lot of people live their life moving sideways instead of moving up. It's a pretty interesting idea there. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of misinformation comes from peers that way as well, you know? So, and then, and then uh, the other thing too, is the comparison syndrome. You know, if you're, if yeah. you're focused on your peers there's also this, well, I have to be like them or, 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 oh, they have more knowledge than me. I need to catch up or I'm not as smart as them. Right. And so having, having a, uh, yeah, having the grandparents and, uh, you know, I love how some people talk about their aunties, you know, yeah. you know, I, my, mine were ants. They were, you know, straight laced ants, but I love when you talk about aunties and, oh, the aunties took care of me and changed yeah. my diaper. And I'm like, oh, that just sounds so beautiful. And so, yeah, I love, you know, again, we'd lost that model of, of having that wisdom that, that, uh, you know, yeah, I'm sure we all rolled our eye, eyeballs at some of the wisdom sure. that was given to us sure. as kids, but still wisdom. And it's probably some of that stuff today. We don't roll our eyebrows, but probably some of the stuff we tell our kids. Yep. Guaranteed. <laughs> maybe, Oh wait, did I roll my eyeballs at that when I was a kid? Yeah. But yeah. That wisdom is there. So I love that. Yeah. Thanks. It's Laura. so, yeah. I'm super stoked. You know, if we shift gears, Bob had a comment a while back about the skepticism, which I, I, I know that you had written a recent article. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, someone on that post that I did said this great thing. And uh, she's like, well, maybe the next article can be like a list of who these skeptics are. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's kind of interesting. And I was like, I don't know if there are different types of skeptics, but mm. it's, it's fascinating to me because... I think like my brother-in-law that I mentioned er who I mentioned earlier, I think if I looked at his skepticism, I think his would be closed mind. Mm. You know, he's a brilliant guy, but he, I think sometimes brilliant minds uh, um, close themselves off because they're so brilliant. Sure. They think I had this thought, it must be brilliant. So uh, it must be true. Yeah, and so I think so. I think part so one of at least one of the skeptics in my <laughs> mind are the I know better or I um, I've already made the decision and and, and my knowledge. Uh, but I would I would that's why I put my email address in that article. I'm like, 
skeptics, please email me. I want to hear why you are skeptics. Maybe for a future article, but that wasn't the reason. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to, I just want to have a discussion with them because I, I have heard, you know, the, 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 the war on drugs lingo spit back at me as the reason why I don't want to fry my brain. I, I don't want to have birth defects. I've heard that. I've heard the, uh, you know, they're, they're dangerous, but I, I don't know how else people are skeptics. Are they skeptics because it's not coming from their doctor? Um, and I think they should have pretty healthy skepticism about their doctors, but that's a whole other topic too. But so I don't know, George, do you have ideas for, I mean, you've talked to a lot of people too. Um, most of the time, like if I, if someone's a skeptic, they just don't talk about it. It's like the pin drop. It's just a silence. They just, so I, I don't know. What, but what about you? What's your experience with it? Well, I, I'm not sure what there's, what there is to be skeptical about, you know, it, it works. Maybe I would say the majority of people who are skeptical are people who have never tried psychedelics. Now we need to well, break yes. it down. Yeah. We need to break it down until, okay. Are you skeptical that psilocybin okay. won't work for manic depressives? I could see something like that. Are you skeptical that um, psychedelics may not be the best possible uh, remedy for depression? Uh, okay. Are you skeptical that it may not make people more like what are the exact arguments skeptics have? But yeah. when, if we just, as an encompassing whole, if people are skeptical about psychedelics, I would say that that person's never taken it because it's a, it's a, it is scientifically 100% true that if you take psychedelics at a big enough dose, you're going to have an experience. I'm not going to tell you what that experience will be, but it's repeatable and it happens yeah. every single time. So there's nothing to be skeptical about it, not doing something to you. We could debate what it's a remedy for, but I don't think there's any room for a skeptical argument about psychedelics. Don't do anything. They do something all the time and it's repeatable. So what exactly is like, what do you have an exact argument people are saying about being skeptical about? It, it, to me, I say it's more. Yeah, they're they're definitely all non-users. That, right. That's for sure. Um, but I, again, I I don't know if it's a cultural thing. I, I just had a discussion last night. Um, this woman was putting uh, uh, her daughter was going on antidepressants, and so I did my nosy thing that I do, which sometimes gets me in trouble. I said, "Well, you know." antidepressants are only meant were really only designed for a deep depressive episode they and, and you take them for a few days until that episode passes and then you're done i said they're not they're not supposed to be a lifetime daily drug that you take and you know her response is well that's that's what the doctor prescribed and so there's where we need the skepticism right. I, again. So I don't know where the disconnect is. I, I, I really think from, from my discussions, the disconnect is they have heard 50 years. And especially if they have children who then are in the dare program also, they've heard these, you know, this constant barrage that, you know, 
and because psychedelics are lumped with all these other cocaine, bath salts, <laughs> heroin, all this bizarre stuff, um, quaaludes, which is when I saw that in the list, of, you know, it's like, okay, what, who's used that term? Should we, were we back right. in the 80s or something? Right. But, uh, you know, quaaludes on that list too. Um, but there's no skepticism about that because we've been, it's been so programmed into us that that there's no medicinal value. And, and that's why I also get back to the language thing. I get so upset. I get, I'm happy about it, but I get so upset when people call psychedelics emerging or mm. new, right? Because no, as you, you know, they've been used for since time immemorial, probably, you know, we, we have ancient cave drawings with the magic mushroom in the cave. And, and we have, uh, erga, uh, the, the 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 foundational elements of LSD in ancient Greek chalices. And so we have this evidence of psychedelic use forever. And and so, but yet somehow in these last 50 years, we've erased all that, we've forgotten that. Um, I think there's also maybe a, a slight, for some people, prejudice that, well, the indigenous doesn't doesn't count because they it wasn't being studied as you said, we weren't studying the brains, you know, right? No, you're right. We should be studying the outcomes. Yes. Right. Look how many people are healing. Yeah. But no, we're, we're, we're looking at, at the brain function. And so, but I think the brain function will be a way to bring people into it because there will, there are those people that say, Oh, well, if it does that to the brain, then I'm okay with it versus the kind of the woo-woo stuff that we talk about that well everyone is your brother once you take a psychedelic everyone is your brother and sister and we're all part of nature and and, and people are like whoa no yeah you know the, the crunchy granola crowd no i don't want to be part of that and that's not what we're saying i mean i mean so again language yeah yeah we need to figure that out but i, I think that's where the skepticism comes from it, it it's from that medical model, uh, you know, that, oh, if the FDA approved it, it has to be gold standard, which we know is certainly not the case. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I, 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 it, I don't know, I, I deprogramming. So it's so skeptics. I think have just been programmed to at least the ones I've talked to are all mostly been programmed by the, by the, the, the negativity that we've been been told about these psychedelics, which have just been lumped in with with you know the cocaine and the heroin and things like that, which are much more dangerous. Uh, I try to tell people again, and and they talk about that. Oh, death, death, death. And I, I say, you know, I'll, I'll give them the thing. You know, more people. You know, the multiplier of how many people die by alcohol every year. I think that number is. I don't have it in front of me, but it's 500,000 or 600,000 people die from alcohol related um, causes every year. Psychedelics will use the number under 20, and I think that's even high. I haven't heard of anyone die from psychedelics. I've heard of other, you know, some tragic things with um, uh, psychic trauma, but not, not physical trauma. And, um, and so I, we have to get away from that. We, you know, we have to show them these statistics that no, these are not dangerous medications at all. These are enlightening medications. These are healing medications. These are, 
you know, I, I think of, um, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian in a way I define Christianity, but uh, I, I love it when someone who is, you know, there's, there's no God, there's, there's nothing after this life. We live and we die and that's it. We're not spiritual creatures. We're just physical entities that think we have a spiritual presence. And then they do a psychedelic and they come back and they say, Oh my God, I saw God. Yeah. And it's like, wow. And they can't explain it. There's no logic to it. They can't. And they like, and they say, wow, my, I'm kind of embarrassed by all those years where I was saying those things. He said, it's, you know, it's still not Christianity or Judaism or whatever it might be, but I see the world is connected. I see there's this bigger thing. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, that's what psychedelics do and people don't, but that's the, that again gets to that woo woo side of things where um, <clears throat> I think, I think a lot of people want a logical argument rather than um, a spiritual argument or a, but, but I want to know. So anyone who's a skeptic on here, please, 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 you know, share it with George, share it with me. I, I want to know because I, 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 that can help us tune our discussion with the people and find a way to, because again, I, I know George, you said that you don't, you know, we're, we're not there to make people heal, but, but if we can at least show them a window yeah, get them to get open the window for them. Let them look out, and they can close the window if they want to. But at least get the window open. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you're a skeptic, please tell me why. I would love to know. Yeah, here's here is first. Let me let me address Lori. Thank you, Lori, for for chatting oh, with us. Still, yeah. she wanted to come back. I had asked her about what about the yeah. idea of signs and spirituality. She said, "I'm here." What I meant by signs is whatever it is that is pulling you in a different direction from the path you're on now, no matter how used to it you are. That t- makes total sense. And I yeah, I think it speaks volumes of where you're at in your life, Lori, to be able to understand signs like that. And I, I, I think that a lot of people aren't there yet where they don't see them as signs. I think that's a step up when you start to beginning to hear things or see things or understand yeah. relationships in a way. I think it speaks volumes of, of where you're at in, in life, you know, and I hope yeah. more people can get there because when you can see things as signs, then you know what direction you're going in. Right. Yeah. And, and too many people just, just push them aside. You yeah. Know, oh, right. Just, a, you know, just a blip of the matrix. Move on. It's like, Oh no, yeah. maybe you should be paying attention to that blip. Yeah. Great. And I, I, I believe that the world is talking to us. And so I'm glad yeah. she said that. Like, and I think that, I'll tie this into skepticism too. Like I, I think that once you begin to understand that you're part of the whole, that you can see language everywhere. You can see language in the plants that grow in your garden. You can see, and here's here's something that I'll tie it to skepticism. In my in my garden, I, I'm growing like a I have like a cool shamanic garden, and one of my plants mm. is the Psychotropia viridis, which is one of the plants Ooh. you mix with ayahuasca. Yep. However, where I planted with it. All of a sudden, I noticed like the leaves started getting really dark. And then I looked down and there was all these ants and the ants were like making scales. So they would siphon out like the nutrients and they would make scales and then they would take it down. And I was like, I was watching that and I'm like, holy cow, this medicinal plant is showing me what's going on in the medical system. Mm. Like it's, it's not a bug. It's a feature. And that's what I'm skeptical about with psychedelics. I don't think that there's enough people in this in the world of medicine that want it to change. 
They yeah. don't want it to change. No. It's an industry. It's a system. Yep. If, and I'm not saying all people are like this, right. but I believe wholeheartedly that what ha what would happen if we change medicine? You know, people would lose their jobs. You think the pharmaceutical industries wanted to change? They run it. They create the textbooks to give to the schools to teach yep. the things that they want. It's an industry. We love people being addicted. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. Your life is broken. Come and take this pill. You're on it for life. Now you can go back to work and work at this crappy job, take our medicine, work in our factories, make us rich. The world is run on fear and despair. And when people start having psychedelic experiences, what they realize is like, holy cow, I don't want to be in this anymore. Yeah. And that's exactly why. The, the, that's why in the sixties it was shut down. People were like, dude, we're not doing it anymore. And I really think like, and this is like, like in some ways I feel like I'm a fractal part of the fifties and sixties happening. Like, I get why Leary did what he did. I get it. Like, he's like, I'm just going to put in the water then, <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm not right, saying it's the yeah. right thing to do. And I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but like, I understand that point of view now. It's like, Oh, this is what the people in positions of authority want. It's not a bug. It's a feature. And the fact yep. that I can look at my psychotropia burrito plant and see it happening, wow. like that's the world telling me, hey, George, you want to know what's happening? This is it. And so I was like, wow. You know what I ended up doing, and this killed me to do, is I, I, I chopped it at the, I left the roots in there, but yeah. I chopped it because I'm like, it's never going to grow. I have to, I have to replant it. But the thing yeah. was like, you have to plant by the, by the leaf, but you know, uh, yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. The language is in the world around us. If you want to know what's happening, go yep. look in your garden and the answers yeah. are right there being revealed to you. So I'm skeptical about change. I, I, I love the, I love the PS science. I love the, the ideas that we should be exploring every Avenue, but I don't think there's a big enough groundswell for change because it disrupts too much of the status quo. What yeah. do you think? Yeah, I mean, that's why I, I love Dr. Rick Barnett and Dr. Uh, Gabor Matei and others, because here they are practicing or had practiced Western medicine, but saying we realize the model is flawed. And I would say more than flawed, but they were in the systems. So they have to say it <laughs> right, nicely. Right, right. Uh, I, I, how many people know that the pharmaceutical companies fund the CDC? <laughs> Uh, hmm. or how many people, or how many people know that there's a revolving door between pharmaceutical companies and the FDA? Right. It's like, I don't think a lot of people know that. So they're saying, Oh, the FDA approved it. So it must be, and my doctor recommended it. So it must be right. Well, yeah. no, 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 no. It, it's a, it's definitely a broken system. And you know, it's broken when there are pharmaceutical drugs that are prescribed to deal with the side effects of the drug you're currently taking. It's like, okay, now I have to take another drug because this drug that I'm taking. And so if, if that doesn't give you pause, I, I don't know what does because again, yeah. So, the, so that's one, one s step of it. Well, I want to mention nature in another way. Yeah, do uh, it. So I have, a, I have a, you know, this new book coming out. I have a guy named TJ who, whose story is in the book and he tells us, it sounds like ego and it's not, but it, it, it's, it's funny, I think. And I'll tell my story, version of my story of that. But he said he, he was in uh, Big Bend National Park, which is one of my favorite national parks. Gorgeous place in Texas. Uh, probably my only place in Texas I would ever visit. Sorry, people in Texas. But um, it's this beautiful place. And he was, 
he was in this uh, weekend of a, of a meditation, quiet time just by himself. And he looked up and he saw this mountain in the distance and he said, hey, that looks kind of like an ancient volcano. He said, I'm just going to meditate here and see if I can, if it'll erupt while I'm here. And he went into this meditation and when he opened his eyes, he thought he saw a little bit of smoke by the mountain. And he was like, no, I'm not saying I caused anything, but he said, I think that's the power that we have of seeing things differently yeah. or, or, you know, making things happen. And my version of that story is, um, especially right now we have, um, wild quail on our property and they're all having little, uh, cubbies, little babies, chicks. And so I'll sit on uh, in my morning meditation, uh, my coffee and, and I'll be sitting there and I'll be uh, I would love to see some quail today. <laughs> now, granted, there are there are like probably a uh, hundred quail throughout my property. I mean, so the likelihood. I so again, I didn't cause that, but nine times out of ten, when I have that intention, all of a sudden I hear the, oh, I see or hear the quail come, and so I think that's, I think that's what you're getting at is that that when we get better in tune, when we're on this healing journey, we get better mm -hmm. in tune with nature, these things happen that we don't see or notice normally because we're not in tune with it. Yeah. But once we're in tune with it, we see that plant, we see those ants going up in there and we, we see for not only what it's doing to that plant, but what it means in a broader context of life of, as you just described. So I think that's fantastic. Yeah. And maybe that speaks to the idea of faith because sometimes faith is things that we can't really explain. But what if we're seeing examples of what's about to happen in our lives in nature and we don't know, but we just feel like maybe that's a sign. Maybe we're back to what, mm. to what Lauren was saying. Lauren like, said, yeah. Maybe those signs are, are signs of things to come. And like that corresponds with faith. And like, that's why people can be so comfortable with uncertainty is that they they see signs they don't know how to verbalize so they know things are going to be okay and like what you know what would the world look like wow. if we lived in a place where people had the faith to be their authentic self like man it would just open up so many more doors and i think healing would begin to happen naturally maybe how about this maybe the same way the earth can rewild itself and reclaim its beautiful nature. So too can we as humans reclaim our authentic selves if we just stop with the conditioning. The same way people have to clear cut the ground in order to make it, you know, create their own things. What if we just let it go? Like, yeah. what if we just let our lives go? I bet you it would be better than what we have right now. People are yeah. constantly trying to say like, oh, this is going to break. It's going to break. Let it go. I bet you life would be better if we let a lot of these things go. I bet you there'd be less suffering if we let a lot of these ridiculous regulations and corporations f just let them have their way with us. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So, oh, see, let me try to further explain why yeah. I love you. <laughs> so at the beginning of your podcast, I mean, I will try to watch the beginning of every podcast if I can. I don't necessarily watch the whole podcast because I love you're beginning and you're into the motion and you're talking about this. And I just love that because that's you. Yeah. I love that you are you. I can't tell you how many times on one hand we're told that we're told conflicting messages. We are told 
you know, be who you're meant to be or whatever. But on the other hand, we're often told, especially by parents or family members or whatever, oh, don't let anyone see you be, behave like that. Mm. You know, don't let anyone see your true self. So I love that what you just said, don't be afraid to, when we're healing, we're not afraid to be our true selves. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's a good point. Such a great thing. You said that perfectly, George, because <laughs> yeah, we, oh, no, we are, because I, I, you know, I've been told, you know, don't let that crazy out of the bag. Oh, yeah. sorry. It's, it's who I am. <laughs> uh, but you know, for years I, and, and that, that limits us too. I think that actually is trauma. Yeah. I think that's actually trauma because it's telling us don't be us, you know, be this example of what a, a good boy or a good girl or a good young man or whatever, you know, good adult, whatever it might be. We're told this is what it looks like. Well, I'm not that, yeah. you know, I'm, yeah. I'm me. Yeah. You know, if I want to, you know, like one of my weird things is I love bathrooms and, and if I could be in a bathroom doing this podcast, I would be doing it right now. <laughs> Um, and, and any hotel I go to where there's a bathroom, it's like five star, <laughs> but you know, I, I wouldn't, you know, um, uh, other people are like, Oh my God, you can't let people see you in your bathrobe. You know, <laughs> how, how ridiculous is that? And so we, yeah. So we're constantly told don't be yourself, but don't be yourself. And it's this conflicting message. Uh, that we face. And I think when we're told don't be yourselves, we're, I think it's meant in a loving way, you know, don't show you're crazy, so to speak, but mm -hmm. in a way that traumatizes us because it changes us. Oh, I can't be that. Well, why, why, why is laughing loudly frowned upon? I like to laugh. Why, why is that a bad thing? But again, especially if we're told that as children, we don't, yeah. we don't understand that. Oh, I just better be quiet now and shut up. So, wow. I love that. Don't be afraid to be ourselves. Mm. Yeah. And it, it is scary because I, you know, like you said, you're told not to do that. And then you're afraid that if you are yourself, you might fail or people might not love you or, yep. you know, I think yep. it, I think it stems, it kind of stems back to that. It's, yeah. it's fascinating to think about. Yeah. I, here's another, here's one for skepticism. Okay. Uh, it's from Jeff. Oh, the, the main skeptic argument I've heard is that the mind altering properties are purely chemical and don't represent a window into something greater. Wow. Hmm. Well, it's all chemical. I mean, you well, know. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, how would you combat I, that? Again, as a scientist person, I think that is that is a debate. But from every story, every person I've now heard, I'd say probably at least 500 stories from people about psychedelics, is there's always a, some kind of broader experience. I call it spiritual or transformational uh, not spiritual in the sense of, I mean, sometimes it's as spiritual as, oh, I like uh, Charles uh, in his journey talks about, oh, I, I, I uh, Jesus put his hand on my shoulder or something like that. So sometimes it's that, but other times, like I said, other times it's just an awakening that, as you mentioned, George, that we are, we're not separate from this natural world. We are, we are 
part of it and some of the parts we're yeah. doing is pretty da- pretty darn damaging unfortunately but we're we're changing and we're learning and, and nature is resilient but i i i for the for the for the true what i call the thinkers the t's that are that need that proof that comes back to faith mm-hmm. i don't think i don't know if there's a way to prove that you have outwardly that you are, you know, projected into the space and, and you have this crazy out-of-body experience. I don't know there's a way to prove that, but I have a hundred percent faith in that because I've heard these stories and every story has a component of that in it. Uh so that's that's how I believe it. But I, I don't know. How would you prove something like that? What's your thoughts on it, George? Well, I would say that to me, it doesn't matter how accomplished someone is or how articulate they are. If they have never tasted broccoli, they don't get an opinion on what broccoli tastes like. Mm. You know, like, oh, have you done it? Okay, then then leave. Like, I'm, you can I'm, I'm, you can say whatever you want, but you have zero credibility unless you've done it. Zero. You have zero lived experience. Hey, please stand on the outside of the circle over here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not for yeah. you. Yeah. At any point in time, I'll invite you in to do it, and then you can give me your opinion about it. But if you haven't done it, then just stand over there and do your do some research. And I appreciate your contribution, but this conversation is is not for you. Yeah. We I, I love what you're doing over there. That's awesome. Thank you for that. It's it's relevant in a lot of ways, but it's it's not very meaningful and or impactful in any sort of way there. But for someone yeah. who has done it, like yeah. I, for someone who has done it and says that it's purely chemical. I, I would need him to drill down more on that. Like it does, it does just because something's chemical doesn't mean it's any less shades of true. You know, I mean, what is truth anyway? Truth is what you experience it to be. And my truth is different than someone else's. So, and I think that this is the problem they have. Like they, they can't measure subjective results. Right. And for some reason, there's a part of our, part of our world that, that still thinks magical thinking is a problem. And, I think it's gone the other way. I think we've gone from magical thinking being a problem to the scientific materialism being a problem. But that's how I guess I would I would interest that. Yeah. yeah, and you know, I don't think there need there there doesn't need to be something greater. I think because to me, if you get that freedom from within to find your true self and and find that healing, I, to me that that is the greatest benefit. There doesn't have to be a meeting with Jesus or a meeting with the aliens or a, a rocket ship to space. It doesn't have to be any of that. I mean, it, it has to be, but what happens is you see yourself. Mm, yeah. And I think that nakedness is what we need. I, I have not had one, every psychedelic experience I've had has given me insights into myself that I, mm-hmm. I could have gotten through, yeah, maybe some deep meditation or deep thinking or really, or, you know, a sweat lodge or something like that. But again, the, the benefit of psychedelics, it's, it's relatively fast, depending on what psychedelic you take, Great. but let's say psilocybin, you know, four or five hour journey, unless you do a, a booster. Um, and in that four or five hours, I gain more insight than I, um, on myself than I have in my entire life. So why wouldn't I want that benefit? I don't care that I don't see Jesus or I don't see 
I don't have a great long conversation with, with my dead grandmother or my, or, or, or whatever else. Yeah. I care that I see myself for the first time and I can love myself with all the good and the bad in my whole entire history and realize that these were things that just happened and don't necessarily, and, and this is who my true self is inside me. And so that I would, so, so I agree. Yeah. So if you haven't done psychedelics, if you haven't eaten broccoli, you, you can't, you can't know the true insights you get from it or, or how great it tastes <laughs> yeah. until you do it. Yeah. Yeah. I think Aliana covers this nicely. She says, when I first met my husband, I was still an atheist. I asked, what if psychedelics were purely chemical? Mm. He said this to me as a response. Either everything in life is meaningful or nothing is, but we don't get to pick cool. and choose. And it's true. Why would a child's birth be more meaningful than a leaf falling from a tree? The beholder gets to choose the meaning of it, right? Like you, in life, you don't get to choose what happens to you, but you and you alone get to choose the meaning of that event. And yeah. there can clearly be a leaf falling from a tree could be a sign that asked that allows you to go on a hunt or ask someone to marry you or name a child, you know, like yeah. there's, there's so much meaning that can go there. And I think it, it comes back to the individual. And I would add too to the idea that taking a psychedelic, or even if it's a chemical reaction in your brain, the fact that that chemical allowed you to learn more about yourself in a few hours than in a lifetime, why does it matter what's happening in your brain? You know, yeah. Why does it matter if it's that? Yeah. And, you know, and if that, that neuroplasticity, you know, if that chemical connects you to a new part of your, or well, an old part of your brain that's new to you now, isn't that fantastic? I mean, who cares how, what the process is that gets you there, but that you have that new learning about yourself. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. the outcome I want. Yeah. You know, I, one of the most biggest revelations that I have found for me is that under psychedelics, I felt I got to see myself the way others see me. And like, that was so profound to me because I got to be on some, on some levels, it was like, wow, this person really loves me. You know, I cannot, oh my God, I, wow, I should, I should try to love them more. I should do this. And then other times I'm like, oh, I don't think that person thinks a whole lot about me, you know? <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. I never thought about it like that. But just the fact, like what a gift it is to be able to see yourself the way others see you, or what a gift it is to get to see yourself or learn more about yourself. Like, yeah. you know, these sorts of, of realizations or revelations that happen to you are profound because they can have life changing ramifications. And, and, and again, like why it doesn't matter. The clinical trials are irrelevant in so yep. many ways. It doesn't matter which receptors triggered for what thing. And if you have the trip or not like that to me on some level is the most ridiculous stupidest dumbest waste of time anybody can do it works yeah. what like are you trying to find out if it works for 0.007% of the nation hey congratulations well, i guess we need that but well, and, that's and, and that's the ridiculous part george yes. yeah so again you look at uh and the the uh, prozac and, and that original round of antidepressants the e e efficacy of those drugs was so minor but you play with the statistics yeah and then the numbers get a little better and then the fda approves it 
And it's, you look back, speaking of hindsight, you look back and you say, oh man, people are paid off pretty big on that. <laughs> because then you look at psychedelics. Yeah, yeah. And we have to go through every, you know, every I has to be dotted. Every T has to be crossed. And if it's not, uh, go back, do another trial. Let's try mm -hmm. it again. And then even some of the results. Oh, yes. Oh, well, only 45%, blah, blah, blah. It's working. You know, right. why are we focused on this? And yeah, I agree. I, I think for whatever reason, psychedelics are having to do the most complicated Olympic routine to get approved versus yeah. the other ones that just walked into the facility and were given the gold medal, you know? So we, but so I think, I think it's a necessary evil, but I a hundred percent agree with you that it's, it's a folly that we're doing because we know it's where it works. Yeah. You know, everyone we talk to, uh, if they do it the right way and, and sometimes if they don't do the right, sometimes again, not to, I, I just want to stress this because the, the, the medicine's going to work on you. Yeah. Even if you didn't plan for it to work on you. And, and, and so that's why I, you know, I, it scares me when people say, you know, they go to a concert and they're going to do the psychedelics just because some heavy stuff can come out and, and uh, you know, and here you are watching a concert and whoa, but, but the point is, yeah, they work. And if you give them the opportunity to work and you yeah. take the time back to what we were talking about earlier to examine it and what we call integrate it, then you'll find out some things about yourself that you will never in a million other ways have a chance to find out about yourself and to, and to, to live this authentic self life is, I don't know how to describe it. it you just feel lighter. There's more yeah. joy. It's not a perfect life. You're never going to, it's not, we're not talking a perfect life. We're just talking about a life where you can just take off all those masks, take off all those shells, whatever you want to call it, and just say, here I am naked and proud and <laughs> love me or don't, you know, I yeah. don't need it. No one, not everyone needs to love me. Yeah. You know, it, it's true. You know, we, we we're focused on this comparison syndrome and this feeling of we, you know, we all have to get along and we all have to be loved and, and, you know, some of our authentic selves are a little, a little wacky, a little weird, and and only certain people are gonna love us. <laughs> Thank God, George, you're one that loves me. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah. yeah, it's um. Here's here's another one that says, uh, if every young man in 1968 had a psychedelic experience, good luck fielding a force in Vietnam. They yep. had to put. Yeah, they they went to uh to a voluntary force after that, right? It was conscription. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's voluntary and, you know, I, they say sometimes out of great tragedy comes great realization. And yeah, I, I think that, you know, the, the reason they had so much pushback afterwards is because they, they forced people to go and they realized that can't happen again because no one will go. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have veterans tell me that now that after they've had the psychedelic healing that they say the same thing, you know, he said, you know, if, if every world leader had a psychedelic experience, there'd be no, you know, there'd be no wars because yeah. no one, no one would want, and, and certainly, and, or if the world had it, 
uh, you know, dude, no one would have the want to fight. And, 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 and again, yeah. Who wants to kill your brother or sister? We don't, we, we just want to live our lives. So yeah, that, that, that's, you know, that's my one little fear about now, although I think we're, we're far enough into the Renaissance now that I think they, the governments couldn't pull back to do the same thing again, although we still haven't rescheduled. So it's hasn't officially happened, but I think there's enough in Congress and, and at the state level that, um, they're realizing that they we can't go back to the 70s again we have to move forward so i think that i think it still will happen yeah i i think that there is a uh, a sort of control there's a recognition that the genie doesn't go back in the bottle yep but there's this idea that they can control the genie and like that's why in my opinion you're going to see anybody that tries to start a for-profit psychedelic company is probably going to fail because the the powers that be want it to have you, the only way to, to to have a successful model is to have a way to centralize it, and that's why they're yeah. constantly looking for hey, how do we get this thing without the psychedelic part? Right. Hey, how how do we rejigger this molecule so we can patent it? Yep. Because it's very hard to monetize mushrooms. It's very hard yep. to monetize I love these it. things yeah. that are out there, right? So without monetization, with monetization comes centralization, supply chains, industry, yep. treatment. And that's what one half of this group is desperately trying to do. They're like, how do we make this thing fit in this model? Yeah. But you know, you can't, you know, you can't um you can't use a cookie cutter to mold steel. Like it doesn't work, you know, you can't use a cookie cutter for a phone case because it doesn't fit in there. Yeah. And so we're people are desperately trying to find to jam it into this cookie cutter model, but it's not going to work. And in some ways, it's it saddens me to see people that have gone out of their way to raise money to start this for profit business because they want to help people and to see them fail. But that seems to be the M.O. Like, I, I just don't see how you monetize it. And in some ways, it makes me sad. But in other ways, it kind of makes me see what the reality is what, what's your take on that yeah i mean i th i think uh, back to the language or back to right. new models you know i think yeah. what they're doing is that well the, the pharmaceutical model works let's just use that so that so yeah the we'll create a uh, either a, you know we'll, we'll create a, a synthesized version of psilocybin and um you'll have to go to your doctor get it prescribed and you know, follow that, that, cause that model worked, you know, uh, the Mercs and, the, uh, all the other pharmaceutical companies are making, you know, billions and billions of profits. So that model works and the FDA likes it. The CDC likes it. So I see them following that, which is why I love the decrim model. Um, I, I, you know, back to what we were saying before, I, I walk a line because I, I don't want, people necessarily to have that first psychedelic psychedelic experience by themselves with mm -hmm. especially if they don't do the research but i think as you said after they've learned it done it maybe a, at a retreat and know the process and know the medicine that they should have the full right to be able to do that at their home in a safe location without having to go to their doctor and getting a non-natural version of that medicine <laughs> which some say probably works the same as the natural and we could debate that too but then yeah they're developing uh, this uh lsd bromo mm -hmm. which is lsd without the psychedelic psychedelic effect and 
so, but that fits the medical model because the, the non-psychedelic, the LSD bromo still has the brain chemistry aspects that they can prove, but it has none of the psychedelic experience. So, but to me, the psychedelic experience is the part that allows that introspection. Yeah. I don't think it works with the bromo because that's just, that's just impacting your brain, but not having the, but not shutting down the default mode network. So it'll, so that it quiets your brain so you can, uh, have these other hallucinogenic experiences. Um, but I, I, I fear again, I, I laud the, that what maps is doing because yeah. it's the avenue they have to do. Yeah. Um, but that cannot be the only avenue for psychedelics because that again is falls into a paternal model where I have to get approval right? unless I go out into the, my cow pasture over here and start harvesting my own. Um, and so, so I agree. I, I, I think we have to figure out what, what works. Yeah. I certainly don't want either a, a Merck or a, uh, Philip Morris to now be running uh, my mushroom supply or my LSD supply. Uh, I, I just mainly because I just don't trust them. You know, yeah. when you put profits above everything else, uh, and that's and to me, psychedelics is the opposite of that. When you because when you heal, you just you want to give back, and it's not that you don't want to make money, but you don't need to run over ten thousand people to make your money, you, you can make your money in a way that where you're helping people. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in Denver, they just, they just changed the law so that you have to have a license. Now it used to be that you could be a practitioner without a license. I think that's what it was. I, I don't know exactly. You know anything about that? I, I don't, I know Oregon's, uh, a stricter in that sense. And I know mm. there's all sorts of issues with Oregon with Colorado. I'm not, I'm not as aware, although mm. I've been excited to see people talking about opening an Ibogaine clinic in yeah. Colorado. That kind of blows my mind, but yeah. it's exciting. It's, it is exciting. exciting. And I, the other thing I love about something you mentioned earlier, George, the one thing I love about the idea of, of decriminalization is the problem we have with psychedelics and actually with, with all these substances are illegal is there's a black market an underground market so on one hand that's good because you can get the psychedelics that way but you can't do the research um and so there are underground centers today and we've talked about this before but you know i had a really bad experience at an underground center mm. and if that's if it were decriminalized the guy would have a website yeah testimonials or not testimonials and I could, get, I could actually do the research and say, oh, no, I don't, I do want to go to that retreat or I don't want to go to that retreat center. And so that's another big benefit for me. If, if it gets decriminalized, then we can have all these psychedelic facilitators, all these retreat centers out in the open. I also love that idea because we can have right now, most of these nonprofits that are, are healing veterans are sending them down to Peru, mm. um, Mexico. And if we decriminalize it, we can have these healing centers for veterans and first responders right here in the U.S. You know, why do they have to go fly, you know, multiple flights to get down to Peru and then, you know, take a bus a couple of hours to get into the jungle to find the retreat center when they can 
you know, just go to Peoria or, you know, wherever and uh, in the States and find that retreat center. Yeah, it's true. And I, I love the direction we're going in. And I, I love to investigate what's going on. And I'm thankful that we're at this spot right now because I, I do think it's, it's a radical shift in healing and consciousness. And I'm stoked to be alive right now. And my heart goes out to everybody that's, that's debating, that's talking, that's working in this area. And even though we may disagree on things, I think it's all helpful to have the discussion because yeah. right when people aren't talking, then they're fighting and it's a, it's a fun discussion. And I love to get into the nuance and, and dig into it. And it's, it's a really fun time. And Randall, this has been, we're almost coming up on three hours, my friend. It flies by like that. It's so much fun. And um, it is. And, and I, I apologize to anybody who's still listening. <laughs> This is awesome. I think everybody yeah. had an awesome time. We've gotten some great comments. Yeah, from so we really did. Awesome wonderful. Thank you, everyone who did those comments. Wonderful. I love it. Yeah. And so before I let you go, Randall, where can people find you? What do you have coming up and what are you excited about? Well, if you're a skeptic, please go to uh, triumphovertraumabook.com. Uh, my email address is, is for that particular one is ran at triumphovertraumabook.com. Send me an email. Tell me, give me more reasons why you're a skeptic, or if it's that one example of that there's nothing else happens. Tell me more about that. Um, uh, find me on LinkedIn. That's where I, I try to do a weekly article about healing or about psychedelics. Um, and then, yeah, soon, 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 more about the, uh, my new book. But if you go to healmehold.com, you can get a little preview of what's to come. Fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, what an incredible show. What an incredible guest. What an incredible audience. Thank you so much to everybody. I hope you have a beautiful Friday. I hope you have a beautiful weekend. Check out the show notes. Check out Rand. Thank you for supporting the True Life Podcast. We love you guys. That's all we got for today. Aloha. Aloha. All right. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I would just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision and I hope you all conquer it and I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better, your life will be better and you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, 
Go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it. 